This is Michael Moseman, and you're watching the Moto X Pod Show. Hey guys, it's Randy Francisco, and this is the Moto X Pod Show. Moto X Pod Show, starring Darkseid, his co-host Scotty, sometimes TJ. Alright, we are back again, back home from Minneapolis. This week it's episode 224. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Cherubies USA, which has for decades been the leader in moto plastic and accessories. Products that fit perfect, look great, and last. And Cherubies has what you need. Whether it's full plastic kits, individual pieces, hand guards, chain guides, and sliders, or anything else they offer, visit CherubiesUSA.com and support our title sponsor and follow them on Instagram. And of course, guys, let them know that you're listening. Also on board, Race Tech Suspension. Man, that new YZ250 is going to get some Race Tech soon. Hung out with Checkers a bit this weekend. Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket suspension modification company. All Racetech products include award-winning gold valves and settings are 100% guaranteed and made in the USA. Racetech also offers state-of-the-art precision engine services and parts to all engine builders. Visit Racetech.com for more info and use the promo code MOTOXPOD to save. Fly Racing's on board. X-Brand Goggles Works Connection Torque One Racing, R Jerky, Berm Lords Graphics, and Jersey ID, Shock Socks, Williams Motor Works, Extreme Colors, Blood Lubricants, Power Band Racing, and True Fusion Sports. Multiple uh, discount codes that I haven't read off just yet. But look, man, if you got questions about our sponsors, you want to contact anybody, just hit an email, motoxpodshow at gmail.com. I'll get back to you. Uh, Scotty is not in studio, but he is on the phone via FaceTime. What, what's the deal for Scotty? I mean, here we go. TJ never shows up. Now you're not showing up. I know. It's funny. I was looking back at my notes, and the last time I did one on FaceTime with, with, uh, because of the snowstorm, we did one with Jeremy Martin. So both my Jeremy Martin interviews have been from right here on FaceTime. Wow. But yeah, I just, yeah, I know. I got a little, I got a little bug, man. I'm, I don't know. I've been. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to talk today. I've just been sick of the dog, but luckily I don't. I don't have COVID, so it should be good for this weekend. I just got to rest up. And but yeah, I'm I'm still here on the phone. Nice man. I'm glad you're on. That's why there's no for the people that usually watch on YouTube. Uh, that's why we didn't go YouTube live tonight or whatever because it's just. I mean, it'd be a camera just on me, and nobody wants to see me. Nobody wants to see the new hair, Scotty. Which we're gonna we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, a couple shout outs real quick. First of all, our Patreon page if you guys go to patreon.com you can follow our page you can support the show five bucks a month a dollar a month whatever every bit helps uh, all that money goes to the travel and going to these races so we appreciate our patreon supporters we try to do some extra content for those guys every once in a while and give them some stuff do some giveaway special just for them also our youtube channel moto x pod show youtube channel if you aren't following it you haven't subscribed go man i put up some videos some vlogs from this weekend with some interviews from friday some from saturday go subscribe to that share it and of course we have a fantasy 
page on Pulpamex Fantasy. It's Moto X Pod Show, something like Berm Lords. I can't even remember, but just man, search Moto X Pod Show. It'll come up. Um, another shout out, real quick. I had a a dad. His name is Matthew. Reach out, and he reached out on the my Pulpamex email through the wrap up show. But he said, "Man, Scotty he said his kids are fans of me, which is super weird." They were. He sent me a picture of them, and they're in uh, Star Wars pajamas. So I want to say what up. I hope I get the names right. I want to say what's up to Lewis and Lakin, or it's Lakeland, all the way from Gympie, Australia. Probably said that wrong. It's probably Jimpy or something. But uh, what's up, mates? May the force be with you. Yeah, that's awesome. You should, you should send them some uh, some tattoos, some of those some Star Wars tats. Some ta- how do I send them tattoos? What the hell are you talking about? Like the fake ones, oh. so they can so they can be like you and have Star Wars. Tattoos. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, weirdo. <laughs> Uh, I just, this is like way off the record, but my son Gunner like recently got his real estate license and many want me to give him a shout out. I'm, first of all, I'm very proud of him. And, uh, he, he is here in East Texas. So if you're somewhere in Texas and you're looking for some real estate help, my son on Instagram is at Gunner, G U N N E R Guida, G U I D A. Hit him up, man. Maybe give him a follow if you're looking. You know, the kid's, uh, he's trying to make his way, and I'm, I'm super proud of him. So that's really awesome. We got a great show tonight, Scotty. We got Jeremy Martin on. Uh, he's coming on in a bit. He got fourth place in Minneapolis. Gary Sutherland, he was the 2017 Works and AMA National Hare and Hound Champion. He's now working for Fly Racing. Buddy of mine, uh, met him through Chris Kiefer. He's going to come on and shoot the shit and hopefully bust some balls with Kiefer or about Kiefer. And then Twisted Development's Jamie Ellis is going to come on. That dude builds almost every bitchin' motor in the pit, Scotty. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to him. I, I've, I've been hearing his name just more and more and more yeah. and more, so it would be cool to hear from him. Absolutely. So we're going to talk to him. Uh, what do you want to get into, man? you want to get into some race stuff? What, what do you want to talk about before we get Jeremy Martin on in about 10 to 12 minutes? Well, I guess the, one thing I'll say real quick is, Obviously, Anderson and you know Tomek had a bad weekend. Anderson is the the points gap closed, so that's the that's the battle. But the real question is, is now that we're East Coast, Cooper seemed to lose the pace a little bit, but then like he always does, stayed strong at the end. He was right there behind Anderson when he finished. He's one race back. He's been that far back in this point in the series before. Do you do you push the panic button back into the drawer? Is he back? Like, I literally was texting Jason Thomas in about the first five laps of that race. Let's put it's time to put the panic button away, and then I didn't send it because he started dropping back a little bit. I'm not pushing a panic button on my boy Webb yet. Um, I I do think it's going to get better and better. He looked a lot better. Still had a few issues. Still not where he wants to be. But no, no panic button for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree, but. I'm, Anderson, he wasn't even having. He he said that he wasn't even having a good night, and he yeah. still ended up pulling a win. And uh, I mean, I feel bad for Chase. Chase has been on the show a couple times. I really like him, and you know, he's he seems like he's moved past these rookie mistakes, but they just keep, oh, man, they just keep coming up and biting him, man. It's rough. Yeah, that one was gnarly. That that warped wheel was crazy, man. It happened so fast. You know, I was and I was torn. Like I like Chase. Uh, Chase was my all star in fantasy, so I needed him to do well. But right before the race. Up in the press box, it was me, Sean Brennan from Feld, Chris Kiefer, Steve Mathis, Jason Wygant, and Jim Hawley. We're all sitting right next to each other. And we're like, all right, who you got? Um, Sean Brennan took, I don't even remember now, Mookie, I think. I think he took Mookie, and Mookie crashed. 
Yeah. I, I took Jason Anderson. Everybody else took Chase. So yeah. I was like, crap, man. Mookie was out. It was, Sean's pick went out pretty quick. And I'm like, all right, with a lap to go, I said, I guess I concede. You know, Chase is my all-star. I, I need him to do well, so that's cool. I'm going to lose here. And then he crashed, and I was like, oh, wow. At least I won this bet up here. Yeah. I was, and I said, don't you guys all look like idiots now? But I felt bad, man, because Chase was really upset, and he, you know. Uh, I mean, that was. His, I mean, I mean, that was his race. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. There's yeah. No, there's no arguing that. Yeah. Yeah. But Chase got or uh, Jason got him another one. Um, and yeah, him and him and Eli right now are the 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 guys to beat. I think. What uh, I I just I just barely started listening to Pulp this week. What happened to your eye? Oh well, they got real bloodshot. So there was a lot of people got sick, uh, and they think it was carbon monoxide poisoning yeah. because there was. They're, they, they had seem, those heaters lasting like a thousand degrees because it was so no, cold. it really it wasn't that bad, really. But I don't, they don't think that all the ventilation was working properly. That's that's the consensus in the pits. Nobody's confirmed that, but it was you could smell the fumes, the race fuel so strong down there, and yeah, but at the main event, man, my eyes were just. It looked like I was, I don't know, like I'd been on a bender. You know, it just they were so bloodshot. And they hurt, and I never even thought about it until later when they were talking about the carbon monoxide stuff. But, and I and I didn't feel good either during the. I had to, dude. I had to go to the bathroom like eight times during in, during the night show. Like every time there was, every time they weren't racing, I was in the bathroom. I was not. Really? Yeah, I wasn't feeling good. I don't think that's a side. Like, I heard nausea is a side effect. I don't know if the squirts are, but yeah. well, I kind of one comes with the other, man. Yeah, I guess, but uh, I was definitely not feeling good during the main event, and it went away once I got out of there, and the, you know, and got we got we left the venue. So, yeah, a lot of guys were feeling bad. Justin Starling really had some issues, and a lot of people got sick. So, yeah, that's that's what that was. Oh, that's, yeah, that's weird, man. That's, I hate it when something like random, like it. So it did. It, you think it did affect some of the racers' night? Oh yeah. Well, they, 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 a lot of those guys were not feeling well. Whether they weren't riding well, I don't know. But they definitely weren't feeling well. Yeah, yeah. that's weird. Yeah. It didn't, well, they, it didn't seem to stop Jed at all. No, no, no. Yeah, two fifties, man. Uh, Forkner, McAdoo, uh, you know, Jeremy Martin, who's coming on a little bit. Those guys were killing it, man. RJ looked good, but just kind of typical little some issues. The the track, man, it was got pretty ruddy. And like I didn't think there was a lot on there to separate the guys or, or make up or time other than that one long rhythm section. It, you know, if you did the three 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 perfect, yeah. that was the fast line. That was really the only thing. I, so the track I don't know if the track showed me a whole lot. I loved the big tabletop before the finish line. That was so cool to me. Yeah, it was yeah, I, I like it when they put something different, kinda of like that old school vibe to it. But what threw me off, I don't know about what it, I mean, obviously you were there all day, so you saw it develop throughout the day, but on TV, it was weird because you saw the rut, but it was also like, like blue grooves and heart packs at places too. Like how, like, how was that even possible? How was it like it, ruddy and dry? At the yeah, it definitely run? dried out at the end. Like how do you, I mean, you got to imagine that that affected some guys set up and, yeah, I'm sure. and stuff like that. I'm sure. Yeah. It was, I mean, yeah, we saw some of the guys crash, you know, and have some issues. Uh, the whoops were really, really broken down. It was, it was crazy. Um, yeah, we got a few minutes before, before uh, Jeremy. But yeah, the I, I don't know what we can take away from the two fifties just yet, other than the four or five guys we thought were going to be fast were fast. Some guys got I think, hurt. I, I just, I just went back and rewatched it about an hour ago before we came back from the show because I had, 
I was kind of in and out when I watched it the first time. But uh, I was watching it, and for the first about 10 to 12 minutes of the race, the gap from from uh, Jet to Jeremy, and, and I guess RJ too, dated about six seconds for a long time. Obviously, that first three to four seconds happens at the beginning of the race. You know, it goes into race form, and everybody kind of gets in that line. But once they got their pace going, that that pace stayed there for a long time. So I, I'd kind of be interested to talk to Jeremy about this too. But I, I really think it's kind of going to be like how the 450 class is, where whoever gets the start is going to kind of run that, dictate the pace of the race, and kind of just you know depends on who's up there. Yeah, that's a good possibility, man. Uh, we'll see what his thoughts are on that. Uh, before I, I, I do, we have more things to talk about uh, about the weekend, but we're not going to have time. I do want to mention I I got my first article finally. That's going to be in the physical magazine of Racer X. I wrote it in the airport Thursday night. Oh, we got to talk about that too. We got to talk about the travel issues. Um, oh yeah, I heard I heard about that from uh, from from the grapevine. Okay, yeah, we'll talk about that towards the end of the show. Uh, but Thursday night while I was or Thursday while I was in the airport, I wrote my first article, sent it over. Uh, it's all like they sent me a mock up of it today. I'm pretty excited. So the May issue of Racer X will have my first written article, ten minutes with. And it was with Kyle Moose from ETS Racing Fuels. So if you guys do not subscribe to Racer X, do me a favor, go subscribe. I think it's like ten bucks a year, twelve bucks a year. It's like nothing. And if there's any option whatsoever to put in no, in the notes, let them know you're buying it, you're you're subscribing because of me and the Moto X Pod <laughs> show, man. Like, you know, I know, I think Mathis has like a code, and I'm pretty sure like Weege has a code for subscribing. But dude, go in there and light this show up for us. You know, help us out, and like you know that helps me out because I need to start making some more money, Scott. At this, I just told you off air that I'm about to probably buy a new truck after I totaled mine. I just got approved like literally about 10, 15 minutes ago, so I'm probably gonna put myself, Scotty, in a bit of a financial tight area. Pulling the truck payment out of the Patreon, huh? Yeah, I, well, no, I got to start. I got to start making some money off Racer X or more money off Steve or something in the industry doing this stuff. I got to start getting paid a little bit more, um, you know. So hopefully we can. Make, I know. I, it, it's it's so funny because I tell I tell people like you know people that don't really know anything about the sport or outside of it or yeah. people that even do know about the sport but don't know like the inside the media how we are and stuff. Like I, they're like, oh, why don't you just start doing that for a living? I'm like, you you know how many people would just love to just start doing this as a living like it's, it's not it's, people are very naive to, to think about how much money this for there's not that much no you know in the podcast you know uh, I, I mean only a couple of people are making a living off podcast really maybe only one i don't think yeah, yeah I, I don't that, think that's what i tell them yeah so and, and steve doesn't make all his money from the podcast he does a lot of other stuff too so uh all right let's take a commercial break and we'll be right back with jeremy martin What's up, guys? This is the 7 Juice Trade out of Entercam. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbeastUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Moto S. Pajo sent you. 
Hey, Dad. Great race. Not sure how you could even see. Thanks, bud. Track conditions were pretty brutal. But thanks to my X-Brand goggles, I had hashtag clear vision all the way. X-Brand Goggles has grown into the goggle choice of many of the top privateers, such as Ben LeMay, John Short, Alex Ray, Kyle Chisholm, as well as 2017 Works and Hair and Hound champion Gary Sutherland. Hey guys, this is Gary Sutherland, 2017 Works and Hair and Hound champion, and I trust X-Brand. My name is Ben LeMay, and I choose X-Brand Goggles. Hi, I'm Andy Kiefer, and whenever I want to be best dressed, I wear X-Brand Goggles. Hey guys, this is Kyle Chisholm. And for almost a decade in my professional racing career, I've chosen X-Brand as my goggles. Now, X-Brand Goggles is joining the Moto X Pod Show for 2020 with their EKS, S, and Flat Out Series goggles. Go to EKSBrand.com or email DarksideMX3 at AOL.com for pricing. What's up, guys? This is Alex motherfucking Ray. And if you don't use X-Brand, then you. If you're looking for top quality hard parts, you need to visit Torque One Racing. Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and are a proud supporter of the Moto X Pod Show. Find the flow with Torque One Racing handlebars, levers, shifters, brake pedals, and grips. Torque One Racing is the title sponsor of the Moto X Pod Show, so support those who support us. Visit TorqueOneRacing.com and order your Defy Lock-On Grips today. All right, our first guest of the night is brought to you by Cherubies USA. They're our title sponsor. Guys, you know they make the best plastic there is. It always fits perfect, looks great. From full plastic kits, individual pieces, hand guards, chain guides, and sliders, they have everything you need. Visit CherubiesUSA.com. Let Brian Fullerton and Talon Volan take care of you. Let them know the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Tonight, a Cherubies USA brings us from Star Racing, Mr. Jeremy Martin. What up, dude? What's going on, boys? Not a lot. How you feeling? Uh, your first race back? How's the body? I'm not gonna lie, man. It was nice to to get the first one under the books, but I was pretty dang tired after uh, after I didn't I didn't sleep the best on Friday night, and then it was obviously a day race, but uh, I was pretty cranked up, so I didn't sleep very well, and I had the first flight out of Minneapolis in the morning. Oh wow, yeah, that's always fun. Do, do you feel like the the carbon monoxide quote-unquote issue caused some of that or because a lot of guys were having issues with being tired and feeling bad um i felt like i thought i was fine like the good news is is that we pitted like in our semi truck out on the street basically yeah a lot of guys like even my brother was pitting in the and down in the on the stadium floor like in the in the deal down there and he was he's jacked up yeah, it was rough, so, dude. I like I I was just telling Scotty, you know, I was up in the press box right before the night show. I was like, God, why are my eyes burning so bad? And I went into the bathroom and I was feeling sick to my stomach, and my eyes looked like I'd been drinking for like a week. And I just never even thought about it until I heard Mathis and Kiefer talk about it later that a lot of guys were suffering from it. So yeah, and I think a lot of guys got way worse than I did. They were because I wasn't down there all day. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Like um. Yeah, definitely a lot of people that were calling me the next day and asking, hey, like, did you get this or whatever? And I was like, no, I think I'm all right. I mean, I think more so I'm just tired from racing and then uh, yeah. the travel and the mental stress of having to be on every time you're out there, you know? Yeah, but it's, I bet it's good to be back, right? I mean, uh, you've, you've been waiting a long time to get back on a race, in a race format. I know. I know. It's crazy. I was thinking about it. Like, obviously, I've done outdoors or whatever, but um, – you know, I, I qualified for, was it Orlando was the first round last year, Yeah. Um, last year, you know, and I just made it to the first turn. But other than that, like, uh, it was 2020, like the first Salt Lake City or something like that. 
Yeah, it's been a it's been a while. I don't have it in front of me, but yeah, I knew. I think that's right. Yeah. So it was it was nice to get one in the books. Obviously, you know, uh, last year was a, a a crazy deal, but you know, it was still nice to. And I wasn't too far off the lead. I was about eight to nine seconds off a of jet by the end. I think so. Um, I think that I think we're in a good. We'll be in a good spot. You know. Yeah, watching you, man, you looked really comfortable on the bike. It looked like everything was there in place. Was there any thought going into Saturday night of all right, let's let's get through the first turn. Let's not push it too hard. Let's just let's get through the night. Yeah, absolutely. I think something for me is like, I mean, you gotta look at my look at my track record, you know. Like I think the first year I turned pro, I didn't even qualify for the first round. Oh yeah, that's right. And then I, I don't that. think I made it uh 2014 i jacked up too pretty pretty good and i didn't qualify so i think the first round for me it's just like you put all this work in and you've had that long break so you're always a little bit more wound up and i kind of know that i get like that a little bit so for me to get a podium or a fourth and 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 log laps is 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 it's good but you're not like you're like obviously you want to win but you know you could be, could be like what I was last year and, and be out the whole season. Absolutely, yeah. We we don't need that again, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've you had experience, you know, doing these and obviously had a bunch of season openers before. But obviously, you, so you kind of know what to expect. But obviously, anything in this sport can happen. So whether it was something maybe with the track or with your bike or maybe a competitor or anything else, was there anything that kind of surprised you this weekend? Uh I think the biggest thing that surprised me was how, how tight the track was guys. Like, uh, I'm pressed. I did press day and I was shifting down, you know, where the whoops were. And then you do the big triple and you come by the mechanics area. I would have to shift down to first gear after that because it was so tight. And, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I don't really like uh, dabbling with first gear a little bit on, on a super track. So, <laughs> we neither one of us has any experience at that. So, not super. We yeah, we don't even like dabbling on super cross tracks. <laughs> yeah, dude. And I think the biggest the biggest thing too, what I noticed was like I know about it, but every year the way that they build the tracks, um, the transitions are so short and steep, and they're just built directly off the stadium floor. Yeah, we're like. A lot of our stuff that we get like during the week or what we ride on, it starts out, it's beefier, but they, they have the pads of dirt and then they build off the dirt. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So the transitions aren't, they're smoother and stuff like that. So I think on race day, just how tight everything is, um, I mean, that's that's a big surprise, I guess, kind of a shock every time because you try to make your practice track tight, but just never feels the same. That's interesting. I never even thought about that being on a pad versus being off the concrete. That's what, what you think of the, the triple on press day coming off the side of the whoops, man, that thing was like a booter and you, you could really easily come into it a little too fast. Oh, dude, I know. So I hit that. I took me a little while to hit it on press. I was like, damn it, man, this thing <laughs> you're coming off, you know, the plywood yeah. and then you're, you know, you're trying to pin it. And I'm like, this is a pretty big triple. And, as soon as you land, like you're basically in the mechanics area. Yep. And I was like, man, if you run out of talent, man, you're going to go, you're going to yard sale it off the, off the deal. So I did it. But, uh, uh, when the whoops came into play on Saturday out in free practice, I was like, man, you know, you, I had to seat bounce it. <laughs> had to, 
And I was like, holy crap. And you could just see all the frame, all the frame case marks in the landing. Oh, wow. Okay. That's yeah. I couldn't see that from the press box. Obviously that, that was probably, I don't know. I was just that long rhythm. If you could get it right, the three, 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 and then that, uh, the coming off the whoops and the triple, which seems like it shouldn't be that technical, but those were like the two most technical things it seemed like, cause the whoops were gnarly and people were, I mean, we saw what your brother did. Uh, they, they, they could bite you pretty quick. And then having to hit a triple right after him was a little questionable. Yeah, for sure. And it was, it wasn't like a, a standard, you know, kind of smaller triple. I mean, I think it was probably one of the biggest triples I've hit since I've come back from riding supercross um, from my injury at Ironman. So um, the whoops were tough too. I mean, they said that they were a little bit easier, but I don't know about you guys, but when they get uh, East coast dirt gets cupped out, I mean, it's a whole nother beast just trying to get through them when they're cupped out. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, again, up in the press box, it looked like on that left side, it looked from there, like there was a rut or, or a cup or whatever that down the one side, it looked, cause I could like only see half the wheel of the bike. So it looked like it was almost down to the, to the plywood from where we were. It had to be pretty rough. Yeah, I, I stuck to the goat trail. It was a little bit easier to hit just because yeah. the there was so many edges and stuff like that. If you went outside of that main line, I was like, man, it's just too it's too risky. And uh, I was a little surprised, guys, come the main event that the goat trail wasn't as wide or as worn down as it was for practice. Oh, okay. Well, just it makes you wonder if they maybe put a little bit of lime in there because I mean it should have broke down. Oh, so you held together better than you expected. Well, that's not bad then. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Scotty. Um, okay, so, you know, you mentioned that you, you were able to keep it about six to eight seconds behind the leaders, and it seemed like you all had pretty good pace going. But, so did you feel like that you were going to have to kind of, like, step out of your comfort zone to try to make up that, and then did you kind of just make a conscious effort to just, like, you know what, it's the first round, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and just kind of send it in, and, you know, and just be consistent. Was that game plan or were you kind of given all you had or kind of take us through that no i definitely was given it all i had i got uh rj and i had an epic battle and then uh he made a mistake and i think he he missed a shift and he just about um died trying to go uh that big three 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 um i think he jacked the shifter up or something and he barely got the double in and he like nose bonked it so that's how i got around him and then I started to kind of catch McAdoo, but, um, I just, he was going good guys. And it was everything I had. He was really executing the whoops really well every lap. And then, uh, I missed that three, three, three. And, and, uh, at that point it was just like, all right, we just gotta, we just, you know, put our head down and keep going. But those yeah. guys were going. Wrong. There was a few guys that, uh, almost died. almost saw God that night. I mean, it was, I mean, dude, did, I'm sure you've seen the video of like Tanner Ward and and maybe Jared Lesh's uh, GoPro of Tanner Ward hitting the sky cam. No way! You didn't see that? No. Oh, dude. Okay, I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but I put both those videos on mine. It's so Tanner Ward, like, yeah, just flat landed off. The, I think it was off the triple onto the concrete, and Jared Lesh was like off the side going down there and had his and dude. He just falls out of the sky. His arm catches the the go or the sky cam cable, like he's lucky he didn't decapitate himself, and just flat lands onto the concrete. And like, I mean, had Jared been you know thirty feet in front, like he might have just landed right on top of him. It was so gnarly. Yeah, dang it, man. Yeah, That's so crazy. but there's a lot of issues. Like I'm sure you saw your brother's footage. That have you given him any shit? 
Yeah, I saw Big Al's deal. I was like, uh, someone talked about it, and then I I hit up our buddy Briar that like films the yeah the troll train and stuff, and then he kind of helped me with my first two um, vlogs I did, and he sent me the video, and I I texted him like, holy shit, man! I mean, talk about lucky. <laughs> yeah, yes, a a lot of that uh, Saturday. Honestly, I, I you and feel good or no? Yeah, I mean, Phil, you know, Phil's grumpy or right. whatever, you know, and it's, yeah, we're fine, but he'll always have a little dig at me, you know. <laughs> sure, but I was going to ask, because he had three close calls. Did you see any of those? No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, so during the race, or uh, I think during the heat race, Austin, Phil, Phil legitimately passed Austin in that long rhythm, and then the last, the last triple Austin did on the inside and Phil doubled, and he went inside, but he he was in front of Austin, and Austin basically just jumped into him. And of course, you know we're up in the press box going, "Oh, here we go, here we go!" And sure enough, Phil tracked him down after the race and had some words. And yeah, and then in uh, in qualifying, uh, Carson got in his way. Cody Carson got in his way, and uh, he he threw the arm up. You know, it wasn't a throat slit, but he threw the arm up. And during, I think, also the heat race, maybe it was, or maybe the main, during the main, Jordan Smith, uh, in that same section after the triple, 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 his bike just went, like, cartwheeling by Phil as he was about to turn into the, the next section. And he just, like, took it left and went off the track to avoid the bike cartwheeling. So three times that Phil almost died in one night, his first round back. Yeah, dang it, man. I tell you what, he's he's a solid guy, and he actually looked quite a bit better than I was anticipating. Yeah. I'm not going to lie, because it's been a while since he's rode Supercross. Yep. Yeah, he's talked about or that. I, yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I should I, say I race. Yeah, for sure. I should say race. But, uh, yeah, I thought he looked pretty good and just minding his own business out there, you know. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, the kids, man. The mayhem always comes to him. Yeah. But, hey, back to you, man. So, I think it was Steve that was talking about this in the race review show, but that he had talked to you and, you know, there's always that aura or that, that us chitter chattering in the media that man, it's a make or break time for Amar. He's got to get something done. The 450 deals, you know, eventually got to happen. He kind of said that, you know, like, Hey, I need to do this this year. Like, and I'm, I, it's, I want, I'm ready to move up. Like, is that something that you feel like I got to get it done? And whether I do or not, it's time to go 450s or where are you at? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been kind of looking at it. Um, I've been in the 250 class for a long time now. I mean, uh, since 2013, you know, and uh, I've won championships in the outdoors. I've won races in Supercross. Obviously, people really want to see me be successful in Supercross and win a championship. And by all means, I'm definitely trying. Um, But the sport's not easy. You have to have definitely some luck on your side. You got to be Uh, a well-rounded rider and stuff so for me with me being 28 now uh i'm basically i I either point out this year or i have to you know drop out yeah right yeah and i've done that before um you know and obviously i had to do it to get a to get a ride you know to get a ride and and you know get a for from a financial standpoint too right you know like i have bills and stuff like that too and uh, you know, I want to retire one day and, uh, but yeah, now I think it's time, it's time to, to go now. And, um, you never know. I mean, it's, it's really tough to get a 450 ride. I've, I've been, you know, people are kind of moving around and this and that and, and whatnot. So I'll, 
probably start doing some talking here in the next, you know, after four or five rounds into this East coast deal and start kind of putting out feelers and, and seeing what's going on. But, uh, it's going to be tough, man. It's going to be tough. Yeah. I wonder with that team, I mean, they already have like 50, 250 riders lined up. Why not just transfer that and go, okay, we're going to have a few less 250 riders and keep you and who else is moving? Um, because I feel like three of you guys. Oh yeah, Christian's supposed to move up. He's on your team, and then I think yeah. Colt maybe Colt was going to move up too. So like hell, just have up have eight four fifty riders. Why not stay on star? Yeah, man. I mean that'd be crazy. But I mean <laughs> that's the thing about the four fifty deal is it's the lights guys. You got four guys, or if you're at star, I mean, dude, it's it's going to be a big roster this yeah. outdoor season. Yeah, I like it. I mean, hopefully, gonna... hopefully they come up with something for you, man. Because I'd love to see you stay. Yeah, I mean, it, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, it's uh, obviously I have to perform, and and then um, you know everybody kind of looks at me for my Supercross game. But obviously, I'm really dominant outdoors. I'm really good indoors. There's guys that are really good indoors that aren't really the best outdoors. You know, true. So what do you what do you, you know? I'm competitive in both series, so I guess that would kind of be my my arguing not my arguing point, but my part of my pitch. Your presentation, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like it. Go ahead, Scotty. I know you're. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, bud. No, it's okay. Um, so you know, you, you mentioned that you're you know you're 28 now. Obviously, when you're when you come up into the sport, like all you think about eat, sleep, breathe motocross, and so you you can't even separate yourself from that when you're younger. But now that you're older, you know you kind of have to real. You, I'm sure you've realized that there's more to life than just riding. I just kind of wanted you to take us through a little bit of like what you're. What kind of what kind of stuff you got going on outside of this sport, and when they how your life's going in that way? And I tell you what, guys, that's a good question. I mean, right now, as I with the, with the years on it, I mean, I think I'm still obviously really focused. All my time and attention basically goes towards trying to be the best racer I can be, day in and day out. Um, but I obviously I have a better balance. You know, I think that's a big reason why I like going back to Minnesota in the summertime. I can train at my parents' house. Uh, I have my own house there. Uh, you know, I was able to, I have a boat that I bought and on my off days, I like to just get out on the water and, and just jump in and hang out with friends and stuff like that. So I think, um, you know, I think just learning how to have a balance and, and learning how to, you know, I've been in this for close to 10 years or 10 years now. It's just managing the highs and the lows, right? I mean, yeah. you can do everything right. And you can have the best intentions and the best preparation and everything. It'd be like trying to climb Mount Everest, but sometimes it just doesn't work out, you know? Yeah, it's tough, man. But yeah, I think we all know, like, you're a fighter. We've seen what you've been through, the adversity you've come through, especially after the, the big injury at Tennessee and then the things were last year. And you always come back fighting, man. There's no, no one can take away the heart you have and the passion for what you're doing. Yeah, I appreciate that for sure. It's just, uh, it's one of them deals, you know, like obviously our sport's definitely kind of a dangerous sport, mm -hmm. but it's also given me a lot. So, and I'm, and I'm super thankful for it. It's taught me, um, quite a bit of life lessons just as for the next part of my life when that time comes, you know? Yeah. When, whenever you decide to go back to the motorcycle shop, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll be there, but <laughs> maybe I'll be, uh, 
I'll be my dad's number one guy out there at Millville. That's yeah, that's cool. Speaking of your dad, man, your mom and dad, you had a lot of family up in the press box and I don't I'm sure they've told you they were cheering for you, but dude, they were going insane in front of us. You know, we were up in, behind your family uh in the press box and they every like even uh Big Al in the LCQ, like every pass they would just go nuts. And even if like the guy crashed in front of them, they'd start screaming and cheering and clapping for every pass that the Martin brothers made. It was, uh, it was pretty wild. It was cool to see that, you know, that the, the family was, the family love was strong. Yeah, that's good. That's good to hear. I know my dad gets a little weird, you know, I so it's kind of, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I actually didn't see a lot of him. He's pretty quiet. I don't, I don't know if you remember, but like a couple years ago, I asked for his number cause I wanted to get him on the show and, I texted him and said, hey, would you like to come on the, sh- the podcast? And he didn't answer. And I texted him again. And his, his response was like, one word. No, I would not like to do that. Not one word, but one line. No, I would not like to do that. Said, okay. Yeah, he's pretty He's pretty quiet, man. He kind of sticks to his yeah. bubble there at Montville, and that's about it for him. Yeah, I'll tell you, man, This that was my first time ever to Minneapolis, and I got cheese curds for the first time. So, uh, yeah, big trip, minus three on Saturday. That was not fun at all. Yeah, a lot of people came up to me and, uh, you know, and, and basically they, they asked me, like, uh, you know, what the F is wrong with you? Like, <laughs> yeah. why would you want to live in this state? <laughs> yeah. And I kind of told them, I'm like, well, guys, I don't really live here. Right. Like, I'm only here when the, when the, when it's good. The weather's awesome. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. It was, it was, uh, it was, yeah, like I said, it was my first trip up there. So, I mean, I got it on one of the worst, or not, probably not the worst, but a very cold day. It wasn't the f- most fun, but oh, it was still cool. It's a pretty cool city, it seems like. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's kind of a bummer I, since, like, all the riots and stuff have yeah. gone down. I hear it's kind of changed quite a bit because, I mean, before that, you guys, I think, would have really in, enjoyed it seeing it then, you know? Yeah, I'm sure, but it's the, the, the best place that I've been to in Minnesota by far is Millville. That place... Dude, I, I mean, I told you this. My favorite track I've ever been to, favorite track I've rode on, and then the jump in the, the swimming hole there at the end, no matter how cold it is, it's just, that place is heaven. Yeah, it's a good good place to grow up, that's for sure. I bet. Uh, Scotty's got one more for you. We'll let you go. Yeah, this, this is kind of super random. I literally just thought of this. So, you know, we're mentioning the, the super cold temperatures and stuff. Uh, so, obviously, on Minnesota, I'm sure y'all have snowmobiles and stuff. Did y'all ever, like, go right on that track on snowmobiles when it like snowed over and anything like that yeah absolutely so when we were really young my dad had a couple had a couple snowmobiles and stuff and uh you know we tried to go out there or whatever but i mean my dad never really liked it too much because the snow would pack down oh. and then it would be harder like in the in the springtime it would take longer for it to thaw out see something i wouldn't have thought but, of scotty yeah but yeah, we would go just, by I just literally had the picture like oh I Love to go on a, that, that, that could be sick on a snowmobile when the snow. Yeah, yeah, it'd be a good time. It'd be right. pretty cool. Well, Jeremy, man, going into oh, I guess we'll see you this weekend because Dallas is our home track, so we'll be there. Scotty's coming. This will be Scotty's second race as media, so looking forward to seeing you. And I, I didn't even get to come over to the truck because there wasn't a chance in hell I was coming out in the parking lot this weekend. So this weekend, I definitely come by and say hi, man, and uh, maybe maybe get an interview with you. I don't know if you're doing press this week or not, but I'll definitely come by the truck and say hi. Yeah, right on, man. Well, hopefully it'll be a little bit warmer there. They were, uh, weren't they talking snow? Yeah, I think sleet. Yeah, I heard sleet. It definitely temperature dropped around noon today here. Pretty, it's like 48 right now though. It's not gonna be anything like up there. Uh, Saturday, a low of 36, high of 47. Yeah. Okay. Still, you know, chilly, chilly for here, but not too bad. 
Yeah, I'll be all right. Yeah, fifty percent chance of rain Saturday, but yeah, still shouldn't. Yeah, we'll be in the stadium. Well, no, we'll be out. that's an open pit, so it might yeah. be a little, might be a little bit wet and chilly. Oh yeah, bring your jacket, man. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, Steve will be out there in his car goes, but it, it's going to be a good time, man. Look forward to seeing you. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on, guys. Anytime, Jeremy. Take care, buddy. We'll see you this weekend. Thanks, man. All right. All right. Yeah. See ya. Uh, we appreciate Jeremy Martin coming on. Good times. Uh, and really great, uh, Scotty. He, he really had a good ride. Like, he looked super fast, looked really comfortable. Like, he, he's going to get some podiums. He's going to get some wins, no doubt, this this year. And, and as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be a threat. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I, I think consistency is going to be the key for these guys. Um, I think, you know... The, it definitely showed who the guys are going to be. Yeah. Jet, Horner, McAdoo, Hampshire, and him. So I think those guys can – I think that top five can switch up any different way, any different weekend. So who's going to be the most consistent and who doesn't go down is going to be the champion. And I think if you're talking that way, I would – he's one of my guys. I, I've always – you know, you know, you have guys that you like and you have guys that you, you know, that you follow. And, I, and I, there's nobody in this sport that I really just don't like. Yeah, but you know, there's, but there's certain guys that when you're watching the main, you catch them. You're like, oh, you know, I want that. I want that guy. And Jeremy's always kind of been one of those guys for me. That I, he always catches my eye, and I always want yep. to see. I'm always watching what he's doing. So I, I, I think that he can do it, and that'll be it'll be cool to see. Absolutely. Uh, hey, I want to do a giveaway, Scotty. I want. I've got some race tech T-shirts. Let's do something. I want to do an email contest, and I'd like it to be from somebody that doesn't generally message us email us so if you're listening and you're like ah, i usually just don't put in for the contest like garrett rockley i'm sorry man you're one of our boys jay curry you're one of our boys but i want somebody that's a listener that really has never reached out to us to send us an email moto xpod show at gmail.com and just hey man i'm listening and i'll pick a random winner before next week and we'll give a race tech shirt courtesy obviously of race tech and checkers we, I mean, those guys mean a lot to us. Racetech, uh, which Racetech is the world's largest aftermarket suspension modification company. All Racetech products, including award-winning gold valves and settings, are 100% guaranteed and made in the USA. The staff has over 65 years of championship winning experience. Racetech continues to be privateer proven by supporting uh, SGB Honda, AJE, Gas Gas, Team Solitaire, and vets like Michael Essie, Ben LeMay, and off-road master Cody Webb. So visit Racetech.com for more info. And use promo code MotoXPod to save. Send us an email, MotoXPodShow at gmail.com, and we'll, we'll get somebody a T-shirt out, man. Uh, you got one of those race tech shirts there, Scotty. Yeah, that's, that's like the only thing that I have that says that I have anything to do with this. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we can fix some of that. We'll get you some more more uh, swag, some more merch coming up soon. Checker, checkers, speaking of race tech, Checkers was at Minneapolis. He was wrenching and uh, spent some time with him. And, and his him and his chick came out to the Friday night show, uh, Jenny. <clears throat> they came out Friday night and hung out for a while. That was a lot of fun. We need to talk a little bit about that. But we've got yeah, to, I was about to say, we haven't talked about the hair, the clippy clippy yet. Yeah, I don't want to. I won't talk about it. <laughs> no, we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get to that towards the end of the show. Uh, we've got Gary Sutherland coming up next. Again, guys, don't forget, Patreon, support us if you can. YouTube channel, subscribe. Join our Fantasy League if you want. I, I'm getting my butt handed to me, so I don't really, it doesn't even matter anymore. Uh, I was doing good, man. I had a good week. But then Chase Chase cost me like 15 points, I think, with his crash. And I, I didn't get any of the first to finish line. So I, I just suck, Scotty. I know you don't really play, but 
Did you did you pick a team? I did it. I did it that weekend that I was there. It, 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 it's funny to me how like like how like sucked into it you guys are. Y'all are. It's so like, fun. I mean, yeah, I get it that that's fun, but like y'all are yeah, like it'll you'll be like okay, you're you're there covering the sport that you love and doing all this stuff. Yep. And you're and you're getting to see all these people, but you're in a bad mood because your fantasy didn't do well. I'm like, not. I'm not in a bad mood. There are people no, that are. No, I know, but I mean, yeah, like, I feel like y'all let it, like, ruin, like, it's nah. really let it ruin your day. There, there are people that do, but I'm not that upset by it. It's just, I mean, I'd like to do better, I, you know, there's, but it, it hasn't gone well this year. That's for damn sure. Uh, what we got? Yeah, we don't have enough time to get into our, any stories, so let's take a, another commercial break. We'll be back with Gary Sutherland. We all know engine oil is the lifeblood of our machines. That's why you need blood lubricants for the highest level of performance and protection. Manufactured here in the USA and designed to handle the heat and humidity. Blood lubricant oil lines such as Pro Elite Series, Pro Series, and the new Scorpion Blood will exceed all your needs. Whether you race moto, sprint cars, side-by-sides, or anything else, Blood Lubricants has you protected. Tests have shown that engines can run up to 30 degrees cooler while using blood. Just ask Chris Kiefer. DJ TJ and I trust Blood Lubricants in our machines, so you can too. Go to bloodlubricants.com to order today. Don't forget to check out their Chain Lube, Two-Stroke Premix, PolyClean, and many other products. Use promo code MOTOX to support the Moto X Pod Show. Scotty T here from the Moto X Pod Show with another fantastic product from Burn Motorsports. It's Shock Socks, the number one 10-second removable fork seal protector. No one likes having leaky fork seals. With Shock Socks, you can protect your fork seals from the crap at the track in a matter of 10 seconds. Fork seals can be expensive and take away from your ride time, so fight the crime of grit and grime with Shock Socks. Check your local dealer or go to the BurrMotorsports.com webpage. Also, follow them on Facebook and Instagram. So go out and make sure to get your pair of Shock Socks today. If you're anything like me, you remember in the late 80s and the 90s, all the cool custom-painted helmets. Jeremy McGrath, Damon Bradshaw, Jeff Emig, all the top riders showed their style and personality with a custom-painted helmet. I was always envious. I mean, I knew I'd at least look faster with a custom lid. Now you, too, can be like your favorite riders. Be one of the cool kids. Kirk Hunter from Extreme Colors has been painting helmets since 1998 and has you covered. For only $395, you can have a one-of-a-kind professional paint job on your lid. Contact Kirk Hunter at xkhelmetpainting at gmail.com and follow them on Instagram at, at extremecolors, that's X-T-R-E-M-E-K-O-L-O-R-S, Extreme Colors. Be the envy of all your friends and contact Extreme Colors today. Let them know that the Moto X Pod Show sent you, as always. Next up, our next guest. He's brought brought brought. He's brought to you. He's brought to you by Fly Racing. Fly Racing has been developing and innovating its gear line since 1998. You can't deny their pursuit of excellence when you look at the current 2022 line of Evo Kinetic and Light, which is the lightest pant on the market and many other gear lines they offer. In 2020, they released the revolutionary Formula Helmet and set a new standard in safety. Fly Racing is the only choice if you want the best. Just ask current riders, we're going to count Zacho still, RJ Hampshire, the beast from the east, David Bradshaw, 
Justin Brayton, Carson Mumford, and even the guy that's on the phone with us right now. He recently switched to fly racing and even works for freaking fly racing. Our boy, 2017 works and the AMA Heron Hound champion, Gary Sutherland. What up, dude? What's up, man? Dude, that's uh, quite the fly uh, advertisement intro, man. I like it. That's, it's, not, it's not bad, that's man. That's where it's at. I came yeah, up with like, a lot I'm, of that myself. Um, I, like I, I do need to update our actual commercial because they're all from last year and not quite accurate anymore. But one of these days I'll get to it, Gary. Man, dude, good like to talk it. to you, man. I always love seeing you. I've got to see you a number of times so far this year because you've been at a lot of the West Coast races. Yeah, luckily, uh, you know, I took a took a job with WPS and, and just actually focusing on the fly brand itself and down here in Southern California. And it's been awesome being able to go to super crosses and just kind of seeing it from a different angle and not just going as a fan. And then uh, I'll actually see you this weekend too at Dallas. So I'm going to go oh, to Dallas. Yeah. I haven't, haven't been over that way. So I'll get to, I'll get to check out that new hairdo, man. Uh, yeah, we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> we're not talking about that. Is that like, is that? Is that a touchy subject? It's really not. We just hadn't got into it yet on this show. We were we hadn't had time, but uh, we can in a sec. We can get to it in a minute if you want. It's not. Right. Really, I actually like it more than I thought I would. So no, dude. I think my first impression was, man, the dude looks good. Like, and I'm, that's no home law. I just like, dang, dude, this dude looks good. Like, I thought I thought it looked good. It's too bad that you know Chris is giving you a 2006 YZ250 with updated plastic, basically. <laughs> but I mean, he could have. He could have. The guys over there could have hooked you up with a, you know, a current 450 with fuel injection. Well, but hey, it's it's cool, man. So I get when, it. when the deal went down and we we went on air at Pulp, I was in studio with Kiefer that night, and and he's like, yeah, you know, he he kind of gave the whole spiel. We had talked about it off air, obviously. But I was like, dude, yeah. just just give me something with an e start, man. I'm getting old. I don't want to kick a bike. And at the time, he didn't know what bike he was going to get, or he at least he acted like he didn't. So then yeah, when he, he announced the two-stroke, I was like, ah, man. Like, I, I'm excited about a two-stroke. Hell, I'm excited yeah, about yeah, a free bike. Yeah, but you got to the damn thing. But I really, and he knew this, I wanted actually a 250F. Uh, I'm, I'm getting old. I'm beat up. I'm, I'm kind of, the 450 is too much at this point. And I rode my uncle's 21 Honda 250. And I had more fun riding that bike in a circle track, just making ruts, than I had in years. So I was like, dude, I can just throw this thing around. It was awesome. But it's okay, man. I'm not. Kiefer acts like I'm complaining. It's all good. I'm not complaining. Well, you got to give him a little gas because I mean, it is still. You did say, hey, like there was kind of one requirement. Like, yeah, yeah. I want an E Star, and you didn't get an E Star. But I sounds like you need a 350. Is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, maybe. I've never. I haven't rode uh, a 350 in prob maybe a, like a 17 or six. One of the first generations of that KTM 350 I rode. I didn't. I didn't really like it the way it was geared. Anyway, and the new one's supposed. The new one I heard the new the new model is supposed to be pretty good. Is what I've been told. I think. I'm sure. And I rode. I rode a couple of the newer ones, and they're. They're. I actually have a lot of fun. Up, fun with them on the motocross track. Other yeah. than the 450, like I think they're pretty good. So I, I'm still excited though. Like I was telling them last night. I think actually, yeah, Paul Holly was in studio and they were talking about it. I was like, man, I'm. I'm thinking about doing some cross country riding. So that two stroke would be great. Yeah. Yeah, you have fun. The 250, you can't beat that. Good suspension. The YC250s yep. are fun. And like, they're pretty that. bullet. They're pretty, uh, you know, bulletproof bikes. So. Right. Well, let's back up a minute, man. So what is your gig at Fly Racing? I mean, are you a local rep or are you, what do you, what's your deal? How'd that come so, about? So I kind of just randomly like uh, got the opportunity. It's, I basically took over Jeff Northrup's job. Jeff Northrup trans, trans, like he trans, over to being like a WPS sales rep. So he's actually like 
you know, he goes to dealerships as a WPS rep and actually sells all of our product line. Right. And so what I'm basically focusing on is the Southwest region of the United States, just focusing on fly racing, our brand, our POP, working on displays, activating with customers and consumers at the track. We are sponsoring the Moto for Kids series. I got fly on board with uh, John over there at Moto for Kids. It's uh, a series that's just kids racing in Southern California. And so, yeah, super cool. I took my daughter to it. And so as soon as I saw it, it's like 250, 300 entry-level beginner new to the sport riders. And I'm like, man, this is grassroots racing. Like everybody's having fun. They break down all the fun, the classes. And so, yeah, fly stepped up big and we're, we're sponsoring that series and giving back uh, like $6,000 in fly bucks this year. So kids have an opportunity to make fly bucks to go into their local dealerships and use that money, that fly bucks towards fly products. So, um, but on a day to day we're you know, I'm working with the guys in Boise, but also like I travel around with sales reps like Jeff Northrop's and everything in the Southern California region and go to dealerships and work on our product in the dealership. And then also go into the track. I try to go to the track like once a week to ride and, you know, just see how the media guys are doing. We're working on some stuff that's now like transitioning a little different role for me with like with some media side of it, like mm-hmm. dealing with cycle news and those guys. And luckily I've worked with a lot of them before. So, um, being able to help on that end and just pretty much driving fly in the Southern California area to just show the products that we have and just, you know, make it a little more aware. Like we always kind of get the bad, like kind of the bad rap of being an entry level, um, gear company. But if you look at our formula helmet, Evo gear, like it, I mean, I know I'm a little biased right now, but I, I started wearing the fly helmet before I took the job at fly and I was blown away at how light and how comfortable and the ventilation and all the things. And then once I, you know, started working for them and learning about all the technology with Rion and EPS and Conehead and all this stuff, I was like, wow, like the helmet is above, it's, it's above and beyond. Like I'm very, very impressed with it and everybody that I get to try it on and wear it and they, they love it so um so it's been fun man it's been kind of a fun transition i did some stuff some construction stuff after racing and i kind of just realized real quick like man You're i don't know like well it's just like it's hard you're in a sport for so long right like you're in a position you know i i, I grew up like i it's a, it was a lifestyle for me man mm-hmm. i love racing i love dirt bikes and then to, to kind of walk away from it it's like and start over from, from scratch like I wasn't really a happy person when I was doing construction and stuff. I enjoy that stuff and I still would like to do some here and there, but it's not like, you know, you, it's just, there's, you can't explain it, man. Our sports like a drug it's built and run off people that are enthusiastic about it. And it's, it's fun to be around people that have the same goal in mind. So the opportunity came up and it, it was kind of a no brainer for me and, and having another kid on the way. And so it's been a, yeah, it's been a fun, uh, it's been a fun little and, and learning for me learning to work in a corporate, uh, like a corporation environment and stuff has been kind of cool and just learning, you know, different ways to do things and how, how everything's ran and then dealing with all the enthusiasts and then going to Supercross and seeing all the fans and seeing it from the back end. It's been, been pretty cool. Yeah. Something I had a question for you, but something you just said stood out. Like if I was of the people I know, and I don't know you super well, but I've hung out with you a few times. Like the people that would be working for a corporation, you might've been one of the last ones I would have picked. Yeah, no. And that's, it's funny. Cause I get that from Kiefer a lot. And even like, 
you know, you said it too. Steve Mathis always always kind of busts me up. He's like, oh man, Kiefer's like, he's scary. He yelled at him. But it's like, guys, <laughs> yeah, he's a gorilla. Like, there's a difference. Well, but it's like, there's a difference between us buddies hanging out, you know, shooting the crap and, yeah. and just being buddies and gassing each other and being crude towards each other. I mean, that's a difference. That's a different setting than being at work, right? Sure, like, you're course. not going to, you're not going to act that way at work. So I think it's been a kind of a learning curve for them, for, for them to see me in an environment where I'm not being brash or being <laughs> who they say, you know, it's like, yeah, Chris, like with Chris, it's like, I always have to, you have to raise to Chris's level. Chris is always just, he's above that line all the time with whatever it is. So right. he all, you got to kind of just run with it and jazz with him a little. And so, um, he always knows the rough side of me a little bit and, uh, not the business side. And Hey, it's, that's just, that's part of life. Like you, of course. You, you have to, you have to be a chameleon and, and know where you're at and know your, your surroundings. A hundred percent, man. That's funny. Go ahead, Scotty. Yeah. One, one of my questions I had written down kind of was kind of going off of what you were just talking about. Um, so now that you're working at fly, what's, what's something you've learned or experienced that, that you never had to deal with as a, as a racer? I would say the biggest thing, and it's funny is I, I really, you know, as a racer and as anybody in our, like anybody that, you know, most people that tune into your show and as racers and stuff, we all think of like, man, we all think of formula helmet, Evo pant, right? Like we think of high end stuff, but then I go into these dealerships and I go into these core customers and I'm learning like what is really driving, what is really driving sales throughout companies, whether it's Fox, like, cause you were, you know, we watch, I watch all the other brands, like what's selling, what's not selling. Right. And like, your entry level pants and helmets and stuff. It is insane. The amount of money that is made in our sport on entry level stuff. Yeah. Right. Like in you, and that was the biggest eye opener to me is like, man, we got to go in and sell. And you're like, well, wait, hold on. Like people, people want $129 helmets all day long. You're like, yep. wait a minute. And so what's funny to me and what I've, what I've learned is, and it's funny about our sport is like perfect example. Who's on fire right now? Jet Lawrence, dude. That dude, he could sell sand at the beach right now. He puts his $400 donut OGO bag in a dealership. And guess what? That mom and dad is going to buy their kid that $400 bag and then throw a $120 helmet in it. And not think about, well, well, instead of spending $400 or $500 on a quality helmet and putting it in a $100 gear bag, right? So. That's just the funny side of our sport that I've learned and, and watched. And like, how do you drive that customer to a higher end quality helmet? But also a lot of those people are riding side by sides and stuff like that. And they don't, they don't necessarily want or need that high end helmet, but even on a motocross um, side of it, I think that's the biggest thing I've learned on the flip side is just watching what are, what's really fueling and paying for our sport to be alive. Right. So that's been kind of an eye opener. Yeah, it, you you talked about that and like I mean they do, you guys have a an entry level like I think it's the patrol is that the entry level gear line or the uh, F sixteen yeah the F sixteen yep. and that's great for a lot of people that are just weekend yeah. warriors and their kids or trail riding or whatever uh, I mean they have a lot of that stuff and it sells really well I've heard you know the, I mean that because most of us like look Gary before I got into the industry quote unquote and I got a deal with Fly and had all this help like I bought yeah. whatever was on clearance at motorsport.com yep. or whatever. <laughs> Yep. And I, yeah, Scotty still does because he doesn't have a deal with you guys yet. We have. Oh, uh, we got to get Scotty hooked up with some fly gear, man. We can't have him over here not not repping. 
Yeah, I got. I, gotta... I, I wear fly. I just, I just pay for it. <laughs> or, or he wears like fly with fox, and like it's all mixed match, and I don't like it. It's not so you're cool. saying he's like he's like Kiefer Soul Rider. If yes, that, if we're gonna invest this, okay. Yeah, we've definitely right. had some fun making fun of him, but. <laughs> You know, the, the stuff is really good that Fly makes at that level. But then, you know, they, they, they brought out the $700, almost $700 carbon, uh, formula helmet a couple years ago. And people were like, yep. yeah, I can't spend $700, which I get that. Neither could I. But then, yeah. what, last year they came out with the CC at like 450 and the CP this it's, year, 250 retail, I think. Yep. I mean, yeah. And, and the only difference, really, which I don't know if people understand, because you, you look at that price difference and people are like, oh, I can't be as good. But it's like a couple tenths of a pound or a couple of tenths of an ounce. It's, or- it's literally a hundred and so our carbon helmets, 12K carbon, it is 60 grams lighter than our CC, which is carbon and Kevlar. Right. Right. So test basically the same. And that's a 689 to 489. And then our 249 helmet, the only difference between that and our CC and our and our carbon is it's a poly shell. Yep. Yep. So it's just the shell that's changed. They all have Rion technology. They're all, we're all using the cone head. So that's where it's like, I was super pumped to see fly come out with that $249 price point for we're getting, you're getting a really safe helmet for, for reasonable price. But also I go back and go oh, like, it's, it's hard because people go, man, I'm not going to spend $600 on a helmet, but yeah, we'll buy four or $500 pair of Tech 10 boots, right? Oh, I don't right. want to break my ankles. Sure. And yeah. I feel like even in our sport, a lot of times, like people are like, oh man, I hit my head today. Like, oh man, I hate. it's like, we don't think about brain injuries enough. And I really like, and now that I'm kind of done with my career, there's times when I'm like, I remember getting concussions and riding and getting sick because I was trying to ride before and not knowing, you know, like, oh, that's the symptoms of having a concussion. And like, you know, everything in, in our industry is progressing at a high rate. And so like the, the, the safer we can be, the better. So I always try to push people into our, I, I, it's been funny. I have buddies that wear different gear and I've been trying to push them into our helmet just because of the safety. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, well, it's a fly. Well, it's a fly helmet. And I'm like, yeah, but it, it's your head, right? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, does it matter what the logo is? I mean, Alpine star will go sponsor a 250 F team wearing Thor gear. Right. Right. So, yeah. Yeah why can't you wear a fly helmet with FXR or any other gear? Right. I, it I think I'm kind of with Kiefer in the past, generally in that, in that mix match stuff, I'm, I'm against it. But when it comes to that helmet, the formula, like I would not say the old one, the, uh, I forget what the old helmet was called. The F2, now. I think it was. Yeah, the F2. Like yeah. I would say, no, you don't mix match those, but the no. formula and the 6D are the two elite helmets in my mind. And, that you should be able to mix. Yeah. And, and I, I think, think the Bell 10 now is, I yeah. mean, that's a, that's a good helmet. And like, that's where I really, I really am excited to see fly grow that helmet in areas. I really am hoping that people can really focus in and just see that, that it's, it's, it's not about, I, I, I want to see people be safe, right? Like I, I'm, that's the main, that's the main thing. Like, um, so I'm hoping and hoping people can see that, that it is a quality helmet and that, you know, we've done the testing, you see it in all of our stuff and like, give it a shot. You know, it doesn't mean anything that it says fly on the chin bar. You can, you can wear it. We'd love to have everybody in fly gear that we can. Right. But at the end of the day, like be safe. There's a great helmet. So yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at with the price point is that $250 price point for the CP brings it down to a level where like somebody that was looking for just, Oh, I'm just going to get a $150 helmet that doesn't maybe know a lot. If the right rep is in, if the people at the dealership are understand the technology and they can explain it to them, it's only a hundred dollars yep. more for a helmet that's probably five hundred times better. better. 
Yeah. So, uh, and that's, and that's, I think that's one of the other things go back to Scotty's point. Like, I think that's one of the things that we struggle with. I think you can struggle with any shop is having good parts people and having good people that are educated. And that's one of my jobs too. Like today I went to Langston Motorsports locally and dropped off one of our half helmets, a Rion display, our ball drop. Yeah. And actually I'm standing in the store. I sold a, I sold a $689 helmet to a guy today. He was just standing there looking at him. I kind of knew him a little bit through moto and bam, he bought a helmet right there on the spot. Sick. But that's because he tried it on. I told him about the stuff and that's all it is. Is like once they people try on our helmet, do it. It sounds like one big fly ad is what we're doing tonight, yeah, right? Like yeah, just, and our listeners this, probably our listeners like, probably don't crap. love that. We're gonna get into some racing. Like, yeah, they're probably like, Oh my gosh, I'll just go buy the helmet. Just yeah. stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're gonna get away from fly in just a second. I just want I mean anybody that no, knows no, me. I appreciate knows, it. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody that knows me knows I you know, I was all in on Fly even way before the formula because of the company itself, because of JT and their support of Pulp before I did a Pulp or a, a podcast. Just be, and the people that I met through the company, you know, that I, I really liked. And JT started helping me, and I was like, "Well, why are you helping me? I'm nobody," you know. But he did, and so I was all in before that, just because I think yeah. it's a great company. All right, enough on Fly. Um, we'll move on. Scott, do you have something up Fly that's not Fly related? Um, yeah, I do. Okay. So, so I, I don't know a whole lot about the, the hair and hound or worst racing stuff. I don't know who the guys are, but the, the two names that I do know are yours and Brayback. And I noticed that I know that y'all have kind of gone back and forth. And I kind of wanted you to take maybe y'all's rivalry, rivalry and compare it to maybe one of the passing motocross rivalries. Which one do you think is kind of the most alike? Mm, that's a good. That's a good question, man. That's a solid question. I, I would have. Who's to Ricky say, Brayback? right yeah hold on did never, i race against that guy never heard of him. it's funny because it's funny because i've had a bunch of memories coming up ricky would like this if he's ever listens i i had a couple a lot of memories come up lately and he posted one and they were all me holding number one and him holding number two so i just comment i'm like hey man well why are you holding up that number two you know so yeah. we we go back and forth i think it's hard because um we never were really like there's only one race I was super pissed off at him and really wanted to, like I was livid with him. Um, but other than that, we always had good racing. We trained together a lot, you know, honestly. Um, and I was trying to think who it would be. That was that, that we were like good friends off the track, you know? Yeah. I'm trying, I'm sorry. I'd have to say like right now, I'd have to say it'd be like, it'd probably be like a Ken Roxon and like, Adam Cincerella, where they're like their buddies, you know what I mean? Like they're still like because we were good friends. Like we yeah. just like we pedaled together, grew up together. And, I mean, we're high desert yeah, together, right? Yeah, and we and we definitely too. Trust me, like <laughs> we went at it on race weekend, but it was like head games between each other, and like we we had a lot of fun doing it though. So yeah, um, you know, there was never any like like I said, there was only really one race where I was pissed at him. But other than that, like we always had good races, good, clean racing. So nice. I, I'm looking at the clock right now. I'm like, I should have, I should have scheduled more time with you or not talked about fly racing so much, but, uh, well, I want to ask you some racing stuff before we have to let you go. Yeah, of course. And, Let's uh, get some as, as my buddy, you know, I want to know like how difficult has it been? You know, those championships came in 17, then you had some injuries and some bike issues, and now you're not racing. Like, how difficult emotionally has that been? I, you know, it's never easy when it sort of, quote-unquote, comes to an end, man. Yeah, no, I think, man, you know, when it, when, and when it comes to an end when you're not expecting it, I mm -hmm. think that's the hardest because then it's like you're kind of like searching. And like I, 100%, you know, like mentally 
through an, a year long injury, like there's a lot of like mental stuff you go through. And then on top of that, you're soul searching on what do I want to do for a career? Cause that's the thing that sucks is like, there's no limelight after and you find out real quick. And I know everybody says it like, Oh, everybody forgets, but Hey man, that's our industry. Like people forget about you tomorrow. <laughs> True. And for the most part, like really and truthfully they do like, and, and it's not a bad thing. I just, you, you have to understand this, our business, our, our sport is a business. Right. And like, there's still good people and there's still people that check in and, you know, I get to do interviews with you guys and that's awesome. Like I, I super appreciate that. So it's, and that's one thing I think it's nice being back in the industry. It's, it's enjoyable to talk to people I know. Um, but yeah, I think like it's a, it's a trip, man. Like I don't, <laughs> I wouldn't say it's very easy. And yeah. I think, you know, like, especially for an off-road rider or somebody that when you're done racing and you didn't like, I didn't save a lot of money because I was putting so much money back into my race effort that it's not like I, you know, it's not like, Hey man, I'm going to chill for a couple of years and dibble and dabble and in investing some money. Right. It was yeah. like, Holy crap. We, I gotta, <laughs> I gotta make some money like now, right. you know, you didn't get like a million dollar championship bonus. No, no. So it was <laughs> like, Oh geez. Like, what are you going to do? And so, yeah. yeah, like I started a construction company and I've realized real quick, like, I didn't want to do glass and I was like, okay, like I didn't, I, I did it for like, I don't know, eight months to a year. And I was like, man, this is just not what I want to do. And, and that's fine. I feel like it helps me grow. Um, you know, whether it's that now working with corporate, like you have to grow, you know, yeah, and like, yeah. and I had so many things that I did before racing, uh, to get to having a racing job, so many normal jobs that it's like, I was kind of good in a lot of different areas so it was, it's been hard to pick something it's been kind of my problem so but overall like it's good i have a lot of people trying to get me to go back and race like i might do mammoth this year we'll see oh cool um but i have a lot of people like go back and race a vet pro and i'm just like ah, eh, not like i don't know i just haven't got that itch quite yet um i had a lot of fun riding a cowie sr so i'm trying to get yeah, maybe try and get one of those to ride. And I have a KTM 450 right now, but uh, I had a lot of fun that Cowie. So I might try and do that. And that might spark it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, you got to get back on bike. Go do some, so. go, go do some uh, high des, you know, get some rain out in the high des and go ride Kiefer. And yeah. dude, Aiden is just like shredding. Yeah, he shreds it like the ruddy tra- I want to, I want to go ride with him. We got to take him out to a man's track and we'll mess him up a little bit. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah, he's hurt right now, though. Who's it? Who's your uh, who's your pick this weekend? I want to know who your pick is. Who you got? Uh, in which class? Both. Yeah, both. Because I mean, you got triple crown. That's another triple crown. Yeah. So I'm gonna go Jason again. Jason's my guy right now. Ooh. Um, and he, I feel like, you know, the A one, the issue, the incident with um, Marvin, right? Mar- no, Barsha. Barsha. I think Jason obviously has some more points. Maybe wins. And then he had the bike issue at one of the rounds i can't remember which one like i think i think i think jason's your points leader without three or four things that have happened to him which i know it's racing you gotta add you can't really say ifs and buts but um the guy is he is in it this year and i think he's gonna be the points leader after this weekend that's what i'm I'm going with i wish i wish he would have at the race it was san diego where his bike was smoking yes like Clearly, it was a radiator cap issue that was coming from the right-hand side. I'm pretty sure. I, they didn't really say that. but no, I think they did. They seemed to I think they did. Or was somebody, it a radiator cap? Yeah, that's what they said, yeah. Well, so, like, to me, I'm thinking to myself, when I'm watching this, I go, hey, man, like, if you have smoke coming out, like, that's a good thing, right? right? That means there's water in the bike. So, 
if I was on the pit board, I'd be like, hey, if it's not making noise, send it. Send it until you can't see smoke. And then once the smoke <laughs> goes away, that's when we chill out, right? right. So I think he could have got a better result if if he would have. And that's where I just, you know, a little bit of the mechanic in me goes, man, I, I would have. But, I mean, also, too, I'm not the one holding it wide open over triples and rhythms and all that. But who you got in 250s? Uh, man, Chet's going to be, I mean, you know what? I'm for the triple crown. I'm going to go J Mart. We just talked to J Mart. Uh, yeah, you just saw it. So you're on a J Mart high. I was going to say J Mart for sure. He's a grinder, man. I think he sat back and forth this weekend, collected what he knew. Like yeah. he, you can't count that guy out, dude. No, he's strong. We just talked about his mental strength and he kind of felt like, you know, I, I need to get through the first round. I need to get through the whole season. So he's going to be a little bit smart about it. He's a veteran. So yeah, I think, I think the triple crown is going to suit him. Scotty, you got picks? Honestly, you, those are my picks. Oh, okay. All right. Whatever. But I, think, I, might, so I, might say, uh, I, I might say, I might say, I think I'll switch your Anderson to Tomac. He always, I think he does good in Dallas. Oh, he does. Yeah, you're right. Well, and I think too, like Jet though, watching Jet ride, dude is butter smooth. Yep. Oh my gosh. He did not look like he was trying. So um, we'll see though, because he kind of like, he rode his own race and it was long. He didn't do as good in the heat race, right? So I think... I, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it's so can't hard count to say. Anytime yeah, we get into these discussions or like the pre-rate, the previews to the season stuff, I'm this like, year's so gnarly. there's so many yeah. guys. Like Forkner's certainly fast enough if he can keep it up. So is RJ. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you just can't make a pick. And like, I expect Cooper Webb to start getting better. He looked a little better this last weekend. Uh, he's usually good in Dallas. Like, hell, yep. like, I would not be surprised at all if Cooper comes out and wins. So, yeah, it's just yeah. You- all you need to do is give Cooper a reason to be the underdog, and that mm-hmm. dude's going to figure it out. And I don't think he's I – f- I feel like finally maybe all the the talk and all the people like putting him out I think finally got to him, and now he's finally – he's got – he needs that like – what is that? That fight, that carrot in front of him to like – Yeah, it's he like needs a dog to be and he needs that steak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think he's – I think he's on his way, man, for sure. Yeah. What you got, Scotty? Uh, yeah, honestly, uh, back to Jet. Jet kind of – in the, in the main, he didn't look that butter smooth. He got the start, and he kind of checked out. He looked that butter smooth. But in the heat race, I feel like he kind of was didn't get a good start, and I feel like he was kind of like riding over the edge a little bit. And it kind of made me, it kind of scares me that if he doesn't get a good start, especially in the main event, he might do something kind of crazy. Huh. Well, it's funny because it's funny in that in that heat race. If you watch the first like three, like two, three laps. The announcers were even like, wow, Jet's being really smooth and being really not taking chances. Then all of a sudden, like the next lap, he started just like, you could tell he, his patience, like he went from zero to a hundred real quick. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 It was that's, like, it was like, he was doing what he was told. Like clearly somebody probably wrote like, be patient. But then he's like, <laughs> looking at the pit board, like dude, I'm in fifth, you know? And he's yeah. like, and then he like, so I think if he can contain those little spikes, the dude's the dude's the next i mean and he's marketing gold man i mean i it's so funny i would never notice this but my wife noticed it right off the bat she if you watch he parks his bike standing straight up and down so you can see all his sponsors when he runs out onto the to go throw out his goggles and all his stuff right and she's like that's a great key this kid he i'm like he didn't probably think to put his bike up there but then, of course, all the pictures this week are his bike standing straight up and down. Right, right, yeah. And so true. it's like, I'm like, dude, the yeah. kid just it just once it, when it's rolling, it's rolling. Exactly. I I was uh, I, you know in the press conference we do that all through Zoom now, and 
my next question was going to be to him, and they ran out of time, but I was going to ask him, like, hey, Jet, man, how's it feel being the brother to the great Hunter Lawrence? You know, I was going to pump up Hunter because Hunter's my boy, boy. And, and I wanted to kind of turn the tables and just joke with him a little bit, but uh, I didn't get my chance, but that's all right. Oh, uh, yeah. No, and his brother, dude, his brother, I mean, they're both. I think Hunter, uh, fully healthy and getting his momentum, I think, dude, that I think he's those two outdoors. Whew, yeah. It's going to be good. It is. Hey, Gary, we're running out of time with you. I do want to talk real quick. How's the family? Oh, you got your, your, your beautiful wife, Christy LaCurl, who's part of the industry. Three kids now? Yeah, man, three kids. I got my 10-year-old M, three-year-old Cheyenne, and we just had a little boy. He's yeah. going to be three months in like a week, Jeez. Randy. Boy, that's, that's yep. a, that has grown. That family, it feels like it's been overnight. I know it's been, what, yeah, four years, dude, but geez. It's gnarly, man, like full-on circus around our house. But don't <laughs> worry, man. I am snipped. No more kids. There you We're go. good. good We're good. You. I'm like, no more, man. I'm like, I can't do this anymore. All right, last thing before we let you go, um, we got to bust on Chris about something. Kiefer's your boy, our buddy. Let's do something that we can make fun of. What's the last? Oh, easily. Okay, let's I, go. Dude, you know, dude, I I DM'd uh, uh, Steve because the whole time Aiden got his little monster deal, right? Like yeah, he's got yeah, his little yeah. monster claw, like, but it's the badge deal, right? And I remember Kiefer going. Dude, if this kid starts posing about all wearing his monster shit around, I'm gonna like that's that's not gonna happen in my house. Well, I'm just gonna let you guys all know the last three times I've seen Kiefer, what's he wearing? Monster hat, monster hoodie, monster beanie. I'm like, yo, man, they didn't hire a crooked tooth 50 year old man, they hired Aiden. Like, yeah, I don't know, like, you're not that cool, man. Take his monster stuff off. I don't so, remember if he had a monster hat on this weekend or not. I yeah, wish he had his beanie on. Oh, that's right, he did. He had his wow. monster beanie. Man. So there you go, dude. You can bust him up, man. Next time you see him, be like, hey, man, I thought they sponsored Aiden, not you. Yeah, it's funny because I, I remember that now because Steve, Steve has some issues with Monster. So, yeah, they were talking about that a little bit. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But I just laughed because he was giving Aiden so much crap of about uh, wearing Monster stuff out to look cool. Yeah. And yet every time that I've seen him since Aiden got this deal. Chris is wearing all the monster stuff. Steve went off on him last night on in the Race Tech rant because of his travel habits, Kiefer's travel habits. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, he, I guess Heather got up at three thirty a.m. Pacific to check him in for his flight home, so that he didn't have to do it. Which Kiefer's like, look, Gosh. I was going to do it, and she called in, and you know, she she always has his back. But yeah, no, but dude, Steve no, went no, off. Yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty entertaining no. at least. But uh, Heather yeah. always, dude. Heather always has Chris's back, and that dude, that woman is a saint. She he is. is lucky, dude. He is, dude. I, that, I told him, man, you're, you're a little gnarly sometimes to her, man. Like on their on their <laughs> podcast or coffee with the keepers. I'm like, dude, you got to chill down sometimes, man. You snap at her too much. No, man, that's it's cool, man. It's cool that yeah, she knows. Yeah, yeah, she knows yeah, we're cool. She's that's cool. it. That sounds just it's like cool, him. Man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, Gary, we got to let you go, right, man. I got Jamie no problem, Ellis man. waiting. So hey, uh, tell Jamie Ellis I said what's up, man. He's a he's a local teammate guy. I know yep. Jamie well. All right, man. We'll tell him. Appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely get you back on and maybe Sounds do good. less of a fly racing commercial. We'll do less of a fly. What? Well, now you can now you have content for commercial, man. If you need a commercial, let me know. All right, you know that's a good idea. I do. So I may be calling you soon. All right, buddy. All right, see you guys. See Thanks, guys, man. Later. I uh, appreciate Gary Sutherland coming on. Sorry, Scotty, I didn't get back to you. No, that's all good, man. I, I, I really didn't have anything else written down. Okay, awesome. <laughs> all right, we're going to take another commercial break. We'll be right back with Twisted Developments' Jamie Ellis. If you want power, then you need 
Williams Moto Works. Wait, wait, what what was that? It's the Supercross guy voice. No, no, it's not. Sounds more like a Hulk Hogan promo. Well, that's good and tough. I like that. Dude, we aren't making a redneck commercial for a professional company like Williams Moto Works. He designs camshafts, built performance motors with CNC porting. So it needs to be tough and cool. A company who can reprogram ECUs, higher rev limits, and custom maps needs a professional commercial, dude. So, like, if you want complete power package from cams, portings, transmissions, to ECUs, then contact Williams Moto Works at 414-467-6199 or follow them on Instagram at Williams Moto Works. That's Williams underscore Moto W-E-R-X. Or you can even email them at Williams Moto Works. That's Williams Moto and then W-E-R-X at gmail.com. Okay, that's better. Not good, but better. Fly Racing is back on board with the Moto X Pod show for 2021. What can we say that you don't already know? In 2020, Fly revolutionized the helmet game with the Formula Helmet. For 2021, they brought us the Formula CC with the same Rion technology and a tri-weave composite shell at a fantastic price point. Fly Racing also released the new light pant with a boa in the front. Visit flyracing.com to see everything Fly Racing has to offer from the moto, street, BMX, water, and even mountain bike lines. Once you try Fly Racing, you'll see why riders like the 2020 motocross national champion Zach Osborne, as well as Blake Baggett, gold medalist Connor Fields, and even the beast from the east, Damon Bradshaw, trust Fly Racing. There simply is no better. What's up, guys? This is the 7 Juice Trade out of Anticam. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull, Factory KTM, Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you got to do is go to AturbiusA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorhead Pajo thank you. All right, we are back and our next guest of the night is brought to you by Works Connection. Since the inception of Works Connection in 1989, Eric Phipps' goal has been to produce works-like products for the general public. With products like the Industry Standard Pro Launch Start Device, the Elite Clutch Perch, Radiator Braces, Customized Master Cylinder Covers, and much more, it's hard to imagine you not going to WorksConnection.com so you too can have what the pros use. Tonight, Works Connection brings us the owner of Twisted Development, Mr. Jamie Ellis. What's up, man? Good. How's it going? It's going good, dude. I, I know we didn't really get to talk much this weekend, but I was really excited to finally get to meet you because, as I kind of hinted at, I have just heard your name like nonstop, it feels like over the last couple of years, whether it be Kiefer talking about you or almost, it feels like almost every race rig in the pits has twisted development on the truck somewhere. Uh, dude, you, you're making, I, I'm sure you've been in the industry a long, long time, but like in the last couple of years, it feels like you're blowing up. Yeah. Yeah. It, um, this past weekend, I'm, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure on the facts of this, but okay. we, we joked with Kiefer on the last podcast we did with him and was like, Hey, at some point we want to take over half the field. So we were up to seven 
of the 250s in the main event on that first round of East Coast. So that's sick. Getting closer. Yeah. Inch, inch by inch, getting closer. <laughs> so. Well, I want to go back to your background a little bit, man. I was I was looking at your your website and it said you uh, grew up racing in like Louisiana and Texas, man. Where where were you born? Where, are you from this area of the country? Yeah, so I grew up in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Um, okay. It's a small oil field town. Yeah. Uh, casino based. I mean, if, if you're from Texas, you'll go there to gamble uh, about 20 minutes east of the Texas line. And so, yeah, just kind of a small town scenario and yeah, you know, drove, drove really far to ride motorcycles. Yeah. Where did you, where did you usually go? Cause I said to like, we're, we're up North, like we're near Tyler. So, or actually Scotty's in Tyler. So Swan is his home track. I'm 30 minutes North of there, but like that was our area. Where, where'd you race most of the time? Yeah, so it kind of all starts, you know, getting a motorcycle, riding in some fields, and okay. then making it out to some trails in Alexandria. There's a really good trail network up there, and then there's like kind of a area that people have made around scenario where there's bumps and jumps. And you kind of go in circles, you know, <laughs> yeah. like a small track. And so that, you know, I, I really like doing that. And then at some point, it's like, hey, let's go to the motocross track. So there's a track in New Iberia, Louisiana. So if, if you drive about an hour east and south. Um, it's been there forever. And, and so that's kind of where I got started going. And then we met the owners and that was just good camaraderie and, you know, a lot of back and forth, back and forth. And then as I started to get a little bit better, um, we started to try to, you know, race some of the nationals and stuff like that. So we did the Swan was like the Mecca for us, you know, being from Louisiana where our biggest mountain is, you know, the, um, the landfill there. Right. So, right, yeah. Whenever, whenever you go to Swan and there's hills and everything and the dirt used to be really deep yep. rough and like kind of a really red sand base more than I guess the clay it is today. But yeah, so I got a lot of great memories there and, you know, just kind of racing all over Texas and Mississippi and just kind of chasing it around. That's awesome, man. You mentioned New Iberia and like about... 15 years ago, I hot-shotted. That was my job for Schlumberger, man. I went down to New Iberia all the time. Tyler to New Iberia, Shreveport to New Iberia. That was a that was a good little run, make a couple grand, and took about, I don't know, like six hours, eight hours, something like six hours total, I think. Yeah, that, not much there, but oil field stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a lot of oil field stuff. They call it Hub City, right? Like, yeah. That's where it all happens. So Yeah. So, again, I was reading on your website, and it said you went to uh, – you got a technical green – in aviation like how how do you make the is that just another passion is airplanes or how does that happen no so i mean we're all influenced by who surrounds us and our upbringing and everything else so i happen to have a motorcycle riding buddy that i met he was you know about 15 years older but um he was a contract aircraft mechanic so meaning like he he was in lake charles at the time because he had a contract there and, you know, if he wanted to pick up and move, he would just bid on a job somewhere and he'd go. And, oh, okay. and so I guess, you know, not seeing motocross as um, a career being from Louisiana, you know, we don't really have nationals that go there and, and the New Orleans Supercross is hit and miss. So I was kind of attracted to the lifestyle of like being able to pick up and go. I knew I just didn't want to stay right in where I was. Um, I had no idea that motorcycles would take me all over the world as it has. But that was kind of the concept. It's like I like that idea of, you know, making a bunch of money and moving around as <laughs> yeah. I wanted and seeing some Gypsy. stuff. And yeah. So so then, you know, after I go through it's you know, college, finish that, get a degree, get a certificate for aviation. And then um I was still riding and racing and 
you know, very much love motorcycles, right? Like once you are bitten by the bug, you just kind of stuck with it. So I, um, I was, you know, doing motocross school. So my first business was the Racers Edge Motocross Academy. And I did private lessons. I did group lessons. I did, you know, one-on-one training, you name it, whatever. And I would go around, um, you know, we'd have 20, 25 kids for a, for a day class or whatever. And then I stayed busy doing the, during the week stuff. So that was cool. Cause that was like my first opportunity in business. Um, I was still working with motorcycles, doing whatever, and then graduate college. And basically the guy that was at that time doing my motors and suspension had just taken over a race team. And so he's like, dude, come on the road with me. Give me one year, give me one year. And that one year has turned into the rest of my life. (laughs) Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, you never know what opportunities are going to come your way. Keep looking. Yeah, it's funny because Scotty and I were actually talking off air about some of that, like the opportunities that this podcast is bringing and where we're going with it. So, yeah, it's definitely got to keep your eyes open. But, like, again, going back to your bio, uh, you know, so you worked. I don't, I wanna, I'm going to get to Twisted Development. That's really where I want to get to here in a second. But you start out, it looks like you worked for Yamaha Troy and Factory Red Bull KTM and Rockstar Suzuki, which is really where you started to make a name for yourself, it sounds like. Um, talk about, like, that progression, just, like, getting in the industry like that and then the progression of engine building and what you did for the – especially Rockstar Suzuki. So as it goes, it's, like I said, I mean, opportunity – and being able to take advantage of opportunities. So I was a race mechanic for all of those places that you had mentioned. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, flying out every Wednesday or Thursday, home every Sunday or Monday. It's, you know, race mechanic is a thrash. Um, just, you, you know, you're, you, you fly out early because you have to rebuild the bike yeah. and all of that stuff. So Put up the canopies, so as, as, all that bull crap. Yep, yep. So as it worked out, I ended up having an opportunity where, you know, I was doing um, engines at Rockstar Suzuki and I kind of like, I wouldn't say I got shoved into the primary engine building position because I asked for it, but it was just kind of like timing, like timing of life means everything. And at the right time I was there, I was already consistent. You know, there wasn't really anyone else. Um, who was ahead of me at the time to to take over the position. And so then once that happened, it like wherever you're leading a team or, you know, the technical person, it's really strong arms you into learning a lot because now you have other people that are looking to you for things. Yeah. And the, the best answer is, is I don't know. Uh, but that's not the answer you want to give. So, so you really get motivated to learn more and more and more. So I just studied car stuff. You know, I, I bought books on porting, I bought whatever, and I, and not a lot of YouTube stuff back then. I think, I think YouTube is a great resource now for anything I want to learn that I'm, you know, haven't done. But at the time, I just was my timing, you know, I, I guess it was just lucky that I had enough experience, I had enough knowledge. And then I really got into a position where, I mean, I wasn't paid to learn how to build engines, but I was paid to build engines. So I had to learn if I wanted to keep a job. So. Yeah, it's motivation, right? And and, and being uh, showing initiative—that's a big thing. Yep, yep. So then, you know, at that point, like I said, running a team, um, building and designing parts, ordering parts, making sure we're ahead of it—all of that stuff was just a really steep ramp um, because we were just, you know, a bunch of dudes working on dirt bikes, and then you know, it started to get better. You know, I think in 2012. 
we had, you know, a bunch of hole shots and, you know, some podiums. And then they had the hiring of Davey Millsaps from JGR. Um, you know, after we kind of had the 250, RMZ250 somewhat figured out, then, you know, more test parts from the previous year. So then that bike got faster next year. And then, you know, spent a lot of time on that 2013 RMZ 450. And then Davey comes out and wins Anaheim one. And it's kind of like King Kong on top of the world. That's awesome. Um, You know, for 15 or so races, uh, ended up getting second in the championship. So, so just consistency, right place, right time. um, And a lot of work ethic is kind of, I guess, the only way that I've gotten to where I've got. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's fantastic. Go ahead, Scotty. Okay, so um, so maybe it was you or your team. When, when did you guys realize that the custom mapping of the ECUs was going to be such a, a vital part of the of this industry and makes such a big difference in the performance of the bike? And is that something that y'all were kind of like maybe ahead of the curve on, or maybe y'all adapted quickly, or kind of just run us through that? So it all started with me and the OEM Kawasaki software. Um, I was able to kind of play around with you know i i I didn't make a lot of money being a mechanic a race mechanic and most of them will kind of do you know some non-team related work in the garage there and so i was doing that to to have extra money and and you know have like a better life for my my at the time girlfriend now wife but um that was kind of funny money you know if i worked hard in the garage and i brought some extra money in so there was one customer that um would always bring his bike in and so i got the software i figured out how to download it did all stuff and then i'm like hey man let's just try this and i every time i would just send him with different maps and he loved going with different maps and so that's really kind of how the whole thing started um that guy ended up going on to work for you know the lit pro data company and then became a suspension tech at husky uh his name's chris hay Okay. But yeah, so so he clearly loves development and screwing around, and I did too. So we just kind of like threw stuff at the wall and see what stuck um, in a safe manner, right? Like not swinging for the fence. But, right, right. So then that that's how it all kind of starts is, you know, feedback. Like it's always exciting to make some changes, do something, and somebody come back and just be so excited. You can tell that you just impacted their life. Um, and you want to give that experience to everyone. You just only have so much time and, you know, that's – just the way life goes. But, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so that's that's kind of how I'd say it all got started. So cool. I kind of I kind of have a second part to that as well. So which which one of your which one of the riders that you know that we would that we would know of that the mapping on their bike was kind of like, compared to like how they ride, how we see them ride, which how their mapping would maybe surprise us compared to how they ride. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Chiz, baby. Um, Chiz is pretty mellow. Don't you, don't you do his stuff? Yeah, we, we did Chiz's stuff um, a couple, maybe last year, year okay. before. Okay. Uh, and, and, and honestly, he was a breeze. Um, you know, he, he was kind of, once these riders go down this path and they're like chasing something, whether it's the ECU or the muffler or an ninja characteristic or whatever, like sometimes it doesn't matter. They're so focused on whatever they're, have attention on uh so so the mapping for chiz was easy we just kind of did some baseline stuff and you know he was more probably concerned with some other stuff at the time so so yeah i don't really know how to answer that question or if there's a good situation that would really stand out to me to say oh yeah this guy really liked this or that my my biggest mapping guy of time i would say who really loved the most mellow bike 
he wanted a fast bike to be as mellow as possible with Nick Way. <laughs> oh, that makes sense, um, actually. Yeah, so so Nick Way, back in the carburetor days, he wanted to run a big pilot jet. He wanted the thing to be so lazy when he touched it. Um, and so that carried on, you know, for me knowing him. And I worked with carburetors with Nick at KTM. And then as, you know, he transitioned to Cowie and I transitioned to fuel injection and everything else, uh, I still did his stuff throughout all the years. And, you know, he always, he, he actually liked using a launch mode map on the track, which means like I'm taking as much power out of it to get as much traction and power to the ground. And so, so Nick was fun because he clearly loved tuning and, you know, he was very intelligent as well. So that was always really cool to work with him. And I mean, we could go days on just same, same settings over and over and over again, just trying different stuff. But I've heard tons of stories from Mathis when he worked for him, just of how detail oriented Way was, and yeah, that's he's very passionate about like all those little details, and yeah, that's that's I would think as like if you were, you know, like a suspension guy or engine guy, you'd be like, oh my god, okay, it's fine, leave it alone. But yeah. he he goes through yeah a million different settings. It sounds like that's crazy. We'll yeah, talk- so the ultimate goal for an engine program is that let's say if it's a four fifty guy. Mm-hmm. Um, 450s are more about power management and the, and the amount of power and how it's applied. So you always want to have enough power in the engine and the characteristic of the engine so that you can detune it. Um, so that basically if there's ever a deep rutted scenario or, or the track is sand or whatever it would be, you can always kind of turn into more power. Um, Whenever the guy's saying, I can't make this jump because the bike isn't fast enough, which typically isn't a 450 trait, but you know, that's whenever you're stuck against the wall. So once you've developed a good engine package, you haven't overbuilt it to where you can't detune it enough for the rider's liking, but you've built it with enough that like you can kind of control the scenario. You show up with it fast, they go, Oh no, man, this thing's way too fast. I'm like, all right, well, let's make some changes. Now you know you got them. You've already impressed them, you already <laughs> yeah. know what's going on. And you can dial the thing in based off of that. So you never want to overbuild. You never want to underbuild. You kind of just have to have that feeling of what you think is appropriate. Very cool. Yeah, I didn't know any of this. Um, all right, so talk about the birth of Twisted Development. And then I want to get into, like, how you get to, you know, your, how you start getting on board with these teams. And so let's talk about the, just the, the, the starting of Twisted Development. Okay, so it's 2014. Jason and Anderson have won the Supercross West Coast Championship the summer of 14 there. And um, my job was ending with with the Rockstar KTM team because, remember, we turned Rockstar KTM yep. in 2014. Yeah. Um, they didn't need a development guy. Um, better off not having it or, you know, someone who's – who's wanting to do ECUs, wanting to build engines. Uh, they, you know, they, they take care of everything through Austria and that program. So, so my tenure there was kind of coming to a close. So I saved some money. I put nice garage lights in my garage so that I could <laughs> see. And, um, and I kind of set up, you know, a workshop and a workbench there and I figured out a way to get a dyno. And the guy that owned applied racing, um, his name was John Duffy. And they did triple clamps and everything else for for so many years. And so he was like, 
he was very instrumental in me being able to have confidence as like a true North. Uh, he had been in business for so long, been successful. And anytime I had any questions or setting up the accounting or setting up, like that's the hardest part about, you know, the technician dies and you have to become a business owner. <laughs> right. And at, at, and at that point, you know, you, you don't want to pay sales tax because you're, do you know so then now you're forced to get all of these things figured out so that you can pass through a lesser cost to the customer and pay taxes and be a citizen and everything else so now you've just been okay or good at building engines and now you have to do all of these other things so luckily i kind of did all that from home right in the garage i figured out a way at john duffy's house i could put a dyno out there so his house is about 35 minutes from mine i would build all the bikes in my garage put them in the back of the pickup truck, three, three wide. And I'd go out and I'd dyno for the day. And then, um, I try to try to make my trips back and forth as useful as possible. So it's really how it all starts. Um, just in the garage there. And then, you know, people were coming over to pick up bikes and drop off bikes and my neighbors never said a word or anything. And I'm obviously we're quiet, but then I'm kind of like, Oh man, you know, they, they want to use the bathroom and it's like now these customers are in my house yeah. and it's like, I don't know. So then I rented half of our first unit um, and I built out that, a dyno room and the, Jonathan Lower from DT1 Filters, he, he needed a, you know, a, a half a spot too. So it was like perfect. So that's kind of how it started. So then I'm driving closer. And I kind of just meeting people at, at, you know, half the shop, right? Got it presentable, got it set up. And then it just kind of come to a point where I told Hoodie, I'm like, hey, it's either me or you. One of us got to go. Like, there's a unit across the street. Um, and he goes, whoa, it makes more sense that I move. And I'm like, yes. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> the dyno planted, vented and everything else. But yeah. uh, but. But regardless of, so that's kind of how the whole thing starts, right? Like I'd been traveling for a long time. I have two kids that, you know, I'm not really getting to see that much being gone on the mechanic schedule. And, um, and I'd already kind of, I had a buddy that was Brian Deegan's mechanic. So going back to somebody who I really owe a lot would be that guy. Um, Hayden Deegan at the time was on fifties and I'd had this meeting with Brian and mind you, I'd had a couple good interviews with Pro Circuit, and I was going to be the development guy there. And so I, I, I really always, you know, wanted to to work at Pro Circuit, like from the racing stance. You know, mm-hmm. they 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 race hard, and and I, you know, something I'd wanted to be a part of. And so at the opportunity, Brian's like, dude, look, I'll, I'm not going to pay you all the money you need, but I'll give you a salary. And that salary will be enough to pay your bills. So if if you want to take a chance, I'm I, I need someone to build Haley's engines and Hayden's engines. And so I said, well, be it, you know, I'm going to try. And so I had Hayden Deegan from 50s to Super Minis until he signed his star contract. Right. And so that was like obviously pretty awesome that I always wanted to give back to him because he's given me so much, you know, by way of opportunity and timing. So. That's cool. Yeah, I didn't know any of that, man. Uh, Scotty, you got something? Yeah, I did. So, uh, so do you do you realistic, realistically see the sport going like full electric? And do you think there's any kind of potential for maybe like a hybrid of some sort, or kind of do you, where do you kind of see that? 
Okay, so I can start that answer off with my kid has a KTM e-bike. <laughs> um, we were we were fortunate enough to get to do the KTM challenge, which was a great experience. And so because of that, I I thought, well, you know, I mean, my son is is now he was seven at the time, he's now eight, and I thought, well. I want to get him riding enough so that he can enjoy the experience. And I knew that that experience would be on an e-bike. So I, we went out, got him an e-bike, uh, got him riding and racing. And, you know, now, he, now he's hooked, but basically throughout the process, I've learned a lot, you know, living with one. Um, I, I have to bring, he has a, a KTM 50. He has a KTM e-bike and I have to bring a generator. <laughs> so every time I go to the track, I'm now loading up and watching, you know, two bikes, right. which I guess that's the mini dad scenario, but I'm yep. like, man, I'm work, I'm washing and working on bikes all day. So I bring in two bikes because we, you know, I normally take them to ride at night, you know, so we're busy all day at the shop and then I'll try to go to Paris one night a week or something. But what, what happens is, is that e-bike runs out of power. And then we're generating and charging, but the rate of charge isn't as fast as my eight-year-old's attention span and excitement to be back riding. <laughs> of course. So then I put him on the gas bike. If I had, like, he raced this weekend at Paula, and, you know, he only wants to race the e-bike because it's smooth, quiet, uh, very predictable, a lot of attributes for a small child that are awesome. Uh, but if you are looking to ride and whatever, so you're not going to be out there all day burning the best laps of your life. You know, they're very short sprints. Right. And so it, it just depends on battery technology will be, will play a major factor in how cool e-bikes eventually are. You hear all these employee six from, you know, Tesla and all these other people who have this new battery technology they haven't released yet. And so if the battery technology can handle a day of riding, I think that, you know, it's, it's going to start out like four stroke nationals. You remember those back in the day, yeah. right? Like these, yeah. these are kooks on XR 200s out there sending it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, yep. So it's going to start out to the, um, you know, to the wealthy, you know, white bearded sprinter van <laughs> yeah. demographic who will want the coolest, latest, and, um, and, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm a big combustion guy. Obviously I love it. I trust it a lot more. Um, my son, you know, somehow got this electric razor go-kart from a friend or something. And I'm diagnosing this thing and I'm miserable because I don't have a manual and it's like, well, it's broke. It doesn't move. So I'm trying to figure out where the voltage is or isn't. And, and so I, I, I can't anticipate that if they do electric real dirt bikes, that they're going to leave it to that type of scenario with no knowledge right? Yeah, or no, yeah. or no replaceable parts. Yeah. It's going to take some time, but I, yeah. And I, I don't think the combustion engine just completely goes away, but it's interesting. I mean, that, that I rode Alta and I mean, I thought it was a lot of fun, man, you know, and that it's, there's a lot of potential there. My Alta experience was terrible. Really? I, um, I rode one, one time and, and I didn't, I didn't like the fact that it didn't have a clutch lever because I used that those was for weird. body positioning. Yep. yep. And I'm like, I don't know. And then in overclock mode, the thing was so ridiculous fast that it was like it came on at a really weird progression. 
Um, so I, I think with controllers and, and, you know, slide bar settings or whatever they're going to do with that type of stuff that they're going to be able to manage, you know, a closer to combustion engine experience. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be a long time before they really make it cool. Uh, just because, like I said, I, I don't really know the facts on this, but I guess in California there, they have a ban on generators. So now heard that. Yep. How, how are you going to go dirt bike riding and enjoy a complete day of motorcycling? If you can't even buy a generator, they're trapping us into a corner. That's really awkward. Um, so, so yeah, I, I really don't have all the answers for <laughs> if, if the electric scenario is going to be the go or right. not, or I don't know. I'm going to have, I'm going to have trust issues for a long time. So. <laughs> well, let's get back to twisted for just a minute. We don't have a whole lot of time left with you. What, what team, what are the teams you're with right now? You said seven, right? I think seven teams and like, just kind of touch on how you get start getting involved with the bigger teams. You talked about Hayden, the Deegans, but you start getting involved with these factory teams and these privateer teams and where I assume word starts to spread about how good you are. Yeah. I, um, typically the way it goes is just a conversation, you know I mean? They'll normally they'll corner you. Um, I don't really ever try to uh, poach on anybody else's, you know, engine building business. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's etiquette or not, but, um, but yeah, so it, it starts with a, Hey, are you interested? And then I said, well, what does the scenario look like? Um, I, I really appreciate working with teams who can have an engine rebuilder, you know, um, I've, I've swayed all of the situations or most all of the situations that, that we're in that, you know, we can train someone for you. If you are not near us, we want someone to work for you that we can trust uh, because, you know, you can't just set it and forget it with race engines. So it, it becomes it becomes scenario based on a lot of trust because if, if, if a motor breaks in a main event and somebody else assembled it other than Twisted Development, do you think that they're going to put their hand up publicly to say, well, Twisted didn't assemble that one. No, it's just going to be, hey, it looks like a Twisted motor broke. Oh, yeah, um, good point. So, you know, so, so there's a lot of trust based on on those programs and, you know, a lot of pressure by me to make sure we're all hiring someone who who understands and gets the gig and whatever. So so as, as that goes, that's the way that's the way it all begins. You know, we just kind of concept, hey, how do you think this is going to work? Uh, you're in Florida. I'm here. And how, how do we foresee, you know, so I, I typically do all of the team stuff, but I have a great group of staff who is supporting me in every situation. Sometimes I drag them to stuff they don't want to do, um, which is pretty often something that I think is fun. They might, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> might throw right, them into right. the fire, but, uh, but that's kind of how it all goes down. Just concept. Hey, how's, you know, put the bones to how it's going to work out and then start start prepping and putting stuff together. So typically all the dyno and everything is done here. Okay. All the building is done here initially. And then once we send it out into the world, we try to support all of the teams with good technical knowledge and obviously a great relationship to, to keep going. Uh, we've been with, you know, some of the teams now for, you know, three, five years. So, so you don't do that by screwing people over. You just show up when you need to show up and you do what's right when you need to do it. I dig it. So give us a list of your teams because I think like you're with Hep, I think Club, Muckoff, maybe a few, a bunch of teams. Yeah. So 
The biggest team we have is the Muckoff Yamaha team. It sounds funny because we were Muckoff Honda last year with our other team. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. Um, so it's Muckoff Club MX, right? That's the same team. Yep. 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 So the Club MX Yamaha team uh, we, we've been with for multiple years. Um, Bar X Suzuki. So they are not in-house, but they're just a couple doors down. I have my pulse on them all the time. Um, the HEP 450 team. So we've taken over the, you know, the 250 factory effort for Suzuki and the 450 effort. Now, uh, once again, great partners meeting, you know, we're, we're doing the design stuff. We're doing the concept, we're doing the dyno work, we're doing everything. And then they're capable of keeping going. So we are also with firepower Honda. That was the muck off Honda team last right, year. Right. That's Jordan Smith, right? And yep. Jordan, yep. Jordan Smith and Jared Fry. Yep. And then we also have the Rocky Mountain ATV team. That was just a, as an engine builder, I felt like that was a pretty rare opportunity to get, you know, a, a situation with riders of that caliber. Um, you know, there's not that many privateer 450 efforts that do as good as that team can do. True. Very um, true. Yeah. So I was kind of, yeah, I was really excited to have that situation come our way. And it's been a great partnership with um, with the way, you know, I, I asked for an engine builder over there. They have one. Like, everything's going really well. So, Yeah, that's great, man. I mean, yeah, I, like I said, I see your, your logo everywhere. So it's really impressive. And, again, I think the first time I heard your name was – Kiefer, man, on Pulpamax, he's always like, Jamie from Twisted. And I, and the name Jamie catches me because that's my name. And then I'm like, who's this guy? Who is this guy? And just keep hearing it. So it's really cool to, to, he, to hear your story, man. I appreciate you coming on here and giving us a little bit of it. I feel like we could probably take a whole bunch more of your time, but we're actually up against the clock. Um, you coming out to any more Supercrosses? Yeah, I'll be at Dallas this weekend. Okay. And then um, I kind of just playing it by ear. Yeah. You know, I, I just going to go to the ones that are the most important. Like I'm always at every high elevation one. I'm always at the challenging ones Okay. that, um, that the, you know, a team would need me at. So I try to just kind of do it that way and show up when I need to show up. We'll do, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to holler at you Saturday. Scotty will be with me. Like I said, that's our home track cause we're just a couple hours from Dallas. So I'm sure we'll see you around the pit Saturday. It, it may be a little bit chilly, but not near as cold as it was this last weekend. <laughs> that's right it's yeah. actually decently cold in california right now oh really yeah yeah well it gets, it gets chilly there at night but like it, it damn sure not negative three yeah no is that's that how cold it is there no that's where it was a mini with on saturday morning oh yeah did you go to the dallas whenever it was snowing uh yes yes that was wild yes then, it was uh, so and at it, that it, time i was still candidate kawasaki and blake baggett had won that race that was pretty wild I remember that, and, yet, and it could do that this weekend, the way the weather's been here, because they're calling for a low of 35, which is obviously not cold enough to snow, but they're calling for rain or sleet, and, I mean, you never know right here, dude. It could drop 10 degrees. You know, I, literally at lunch today, I think before lunch, it was like I was warm. I was sweating, and we went to lunch. I came out of the shop, and all of a sudden, I was cold, and I was like, holy shit, what happened? So, yeah, yeah I mean, we could have well, – I, 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 go ahead. I got to ask, are you a real Jamie? Or a Jim, or a Jimbo, or a little Jimmy, or like, yeah. how does that scenario work out? I'm a Jamie. My dad is James or Jim. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm James Ray Ellis the seventh. Okay, the seventh. And yeah, the seventh. And since since we're all since we're all James, um, my dad was Jim or little Jimmy, 
and my grandpa was James. And so we all kind of got a different calling. Uh, but yeah, so my, my son is James Michael. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yes. Yeah, so oh, yeah. my granddaughter, who's about to be one, they, they call her Hendrix. That's her middle name, but they named her Jamie Hendrix. So she's named after me, but then they go with Hendrix with her. And then, uh, this is a weird, but my ex-wife's name was also Jamie. So we were Jamie and Jamie. So, yeah. Wow, it's a lot. It was a lot, right? Yes, yeah, just a little family <laughs> little family history there, man. But, dude, it's really been cool getting a chance to know you. I'm, I am excited that I finally got a chance to, to meet you because I, I hear about you all the time. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate you having me on and keep up the good work. Absolutely, you know, man. Uh, touch, touch a lot of people and they're thankful. Absolutely. Thanks, dude. Appreciate you coming on. We'll see you Saturday. Okay, see you. Right, take care, Jamie. All right, thanks to Jamie Ellis for coming on. Uh, that's cool, man. A lot of information, a lot of stuff I didn't know, Scotty. Yeah, I, I thought he, I, I thought he had a lot of good information. It just he kind of went into full details. And he kind of had an insight on everything, and it was cool to see how he started and yeah. how he got to where he was. And and uh, yeah, I, I, he's definitely making a name for himself. I wanted to ask him a good, like another busting on Chris Kiefer story, but we were we were running a little late. Got a couple more things we need to touch on. Um, I was going to touch more on the race stuff, but uh, did you want to hear? You had asked about the haircut. Is that something you actually want to know? There's anything you got? I questions? feel like I feel like I feel like you owe it to the fans to talk about it. Okay, so let's start with my travel experience Thursday. I was going to the race early. That was my plan. Get there early because none of the flights leaving Friday got me to Minneapolis in time for press. There's no direct flight on Southwest. That's how I fly. So I said, all right, well, I'll leave Thursday. And my flight was 2.40-ish on Thursday, and they delayed it six times. So around 7.30, they finally called for the boarding of the plane. And my plane was going to Austin first, the wrong, yeah. dire- the wrong direction, but that's where it went first. And then it was going to Minneapolis. Now, it was kind of cold here in Dallas. It was a little rainy. And they're like, uh, yeah, well, it keeps getting, you know, they keep – they were down to one runway in Dallas. That was why everything was delayed. Uh, but then they're like, oh, well, they called for boarding. Flight whatever to Austin. We're boarding now. Austin to Minneapolis has been canceled. Like, what the hell? Like, literally, we're boarding the plane when they cancel our portion. And so they were going to send you to Austin and leave you stranded there? No, they were, that's why they canceled before we got on the plane. Uh-huh. So we're not, we're not going now. Or you yeah. could go to Austin and see if you could find another flight out of there to Saint or to Minneapolis if you want. But the four of us that were supposed to be going to Mini went to the desk and like, well, hey, are you going to be able to get our bags off? And they're like, we're working on it now. So they got our bags off. Like, okay, so what are the options? We don't have any other flights. Southwest has no other flights that can get you to Minneapolis before Saturday. That's not going to work, dude. Like, I need to be there tomorrow. Uh, so we kind of went round and round. We well, got to go downstairs and talk to him at the customer service. And at this point I'm texting Steve and Kiefer. I'm like, uh, might not be there tomorrow. And they're like, ha ha, whatever. And I'm like, no dude. And I'm trying to, I have no way to really send them proof. And I'm, I'm texting with them. I'm looking for flights in other places. I'm trying to figure out hotels. Like, and you know how I get, man, I get rattled. Yeah, yeah. So I was rattled. So I go downstairs and I go to the baggage claim place. I was like, hey, you getting our bags? And they're like, well, it could be like up to an hour, hour and a half. I was like, holy shit, okay. So I go to the customer service, and they tell me, well, when, when it, a flight cancels for weather-related issues, like they don't reimburse you for your hotel, 
They don't put you up in a room. I was like, okay, I have a hotel paid for in Minneapolis tonight. I'm not getting there because you're saying there's a weather issue, but I have a guy flying in from LA right now that's going to be landing in Minneapolis in a couple hours. Another guy I know is landing in Minneapolis from South Carolina, and I have a buddy checkers from race tech who's literally in Minneapolis and says the weather is fine. She said, the lady's like, I don't know. That's just what they're telling us. I said, that's not okay. That's a problem. There's no bad weather. And as I'm talking to this lady, the manager comes up and she said, Hey, they just changed it to mechanical, not weather. When it's mechanical, we will reimburse you for your flight. We'll put you up in a hotel tonight and they'll give me a hundred dollar voucher or whatever, which kind of almost covered the hotel. Right. Which was cool because I called the hotel and they're like, yeah, don't worry. We just won't charge you. So I actually made a hundred bucks. But then I'm like, okay, so you're telling me there's a mechanical. That's why we can't go to Minneapolis. Yes, sir. I said, that same plane just left Dallas to go to Austin. What was the mechanical? If they could fly to Austin, how come they can't fly to Minneapolis? She said, I I don't know. (laughs) So then like later I, I I'm, I'm still texting with Steve. He's trying to get me hooked up with a flight on Delta in the morning, which he did. He saved the day and I call Amber about it, you know, just tell her what's going on. And she's like, you know what? She's like, I guarantee you there was only four of you leaving Dallas going to Minneapolis. There's probably almost none in Austin going to Minneapolis. It wasn't worth them flying to Minneapolis for four people or six people or eight people. That made a lot of sense. Still there. Nope, you're on mute, dude. Sorry, this phone was about to die. I had to get it on the charger real oh, quick. Yeah, so that made sense. So I think that was probably the truth. But they put me up in a hotel, taken care of. Steve got me to Minneapolis by 1030 in the morning. I made press. That was my travel story, man. Yeah, that's that's wild, bro. Yeah, I was uh, – hold on a second. Okay, well, I'll keep talking. So we go to press. Everything's normal press. No big stories there other than I did get to um, – we're down in the middle of the track while press is going on. And uh, Steve and Weege, uh Adam C. and Cirillo, somebody else. Anyway, they're all kind of huddled around talking, and I make my way over there. And we're talking. And, you know, and I've said before that I feel like AC has a little bit of an issue with me because of some things, questions I've asked in the past. I always got the vibe he didn't like me. But I, I did interview him during press before what I'm about to say. And he was cool. And then we're sitting around talking, and he's coming to the Friday night show. So Steve's like, yeah, we're cutting the pony tonight. And he's like, oh, okay. Like, he seemed weirded out. He didn't really understand it. Whatever. No big deal. So we talk for a few minutes. He's There's some insider stuff going on. I'm just kind of listening, him, him talking about his career, different possibilities. And uh, he's been pretty open. Like, he's not like, oh, I can't talk around this guy. He's cool. Yeah, yeah. Later that night at the at the live show, you know, he comes in the back. We talk for a few minutes again. Uh, no big deal. The next day, Saturday, I'm sitting there in the pits talking to somebody. Adam rides by in a scooter, and he's like, what's up, dark side? I'm, like, I'm in. We're yeah. good. <laughs> Me and AC are it's cool. We're cool now. So that was, like, my highlight. Back to Friday. Get to this place. No, I was going to say earlier, I, I was uh, so uh, – Chase Moore was texting me about the your flight almost got canceled. He's telling me everything that happened. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, dude, I was like, uh, Stephen Kiefer would have sent a private jet before they didn't cut that pony. Oh, that was actually <laughs> some of the discussion on Twitter. They were all like, oh, you can't not make all the stuff. And I and my response was, no, we're good. Steve is sending his plane. 
Yeah. So that's what I put. Yeah, that's what I put on Twitter. Um, but anyway, the Monday night show, we got to wrap this thing up, man. But um, the Monday night show was a lot of fun. The place was packed. Uh, you know, I was in the back. I missed the whole show because I could not hear them talking where we were. You could hear it, but you couldn't make it out. Um, but I was in the back with Jilly and her husband, Cody, and they were super cool, man. Like, Cody, Cody's a huge Pulp fan and a fan of the sport, and kind of like you and me, like I was a few years ago, where he's never really met the riders. And, like, even, like, Logan Carnow and Cade Clayson, privateers, coming to the show – He's like, yeah, I don't want to meet him, man. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. I can't deal it. He's like, he's, you know, he's like, I'm gonna freak out. And I was like, no, no, no. And I called Cade to come back, or actually, Cade came back. I texted Car now to come back and introduced him. And he's just a super fan of the show. Cody is super cool. Got to meet these some of the riders, and yeah, he, I think he got to meet AC. And um, Jilly did the hair, you know, kind of prepped me for the hair. I went out on stage at the beginning, like ten minutes in, they called me out. Kiefer cut the ponies. They had to put it in multiple ponies so he could cut it because it's so thick. Yeah. Uh, crowd kind of went nuts. I go in the back. She takes care of it. And I put my hoodie on with my hood when he calls me back up and we go out and we do the reveal. People go crazy. They kind of wrapped. Oh, I, I did the ex-brand tear-offs. Moser submitted the questions I asked him of everybody. Yeah. AC was there for that. He wasn't supposed to be, so there's no questions for him. So he got the Steve questions, which included things about like his house and yeah. stuff that AC had no idea about, but he answered them anyway as best he could. That was kind of cool. Then we did like meet and greet at the end, man. And people came and took pictures and, uh, you know, they were given cash to take pictures with the pony in the, the, um, display case. And that all went to Jilly. She made like 361 bucks off that. But it was a cool night, nice. man. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. Had a lot of fun this weekend. Kind of hang out with the boys, you know, went to dinner yeah. with Kiefer and, and Steve and a couple times and yeah, good times. For our, for our listeners out there, I, 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 so I take Jeff, I got off of work that night and I was like, okay, I got to see it. And, uh, the first picture I got was from TJ, you know, I guess it was shot from the crowd. Yeah. It was blurry, and, right? All right. Guys, dark, dark side glow. He was in the middle of a place or something. He had a, he was smiling or something. Dark side glow after the new haircut, man. It was. It was it was definitely there. Yeah, but then you the know, picture you sent me, you did not look thrilled. <laughs> it, it it was gut like making my stomach turn when he was cutting through the the pony because you could hear him back there like <laughs> trying to get through it, and I was just going, "Oh my god!" And it was really like embarrassing. And I, I use the word degrading. I don't know if that's right, but because like they cut it and they're like, "All right, turn around." After they they left some and still had cut some, and it looked like. You know, but I mean, it was for the crowd. The crowd was having a good time. Once it was done, I was like, I'm processing it, but I do not hate it. So it's really not that bad. Amber was kind of like, when I got home, I went to to her house first and I actually picked her middle daughter up in Dallas. She was staying with her dad. I brought brought her back so Amber didn't have to drive to Dallas. I went over there and dropped her off and had a hat on. And Amber came up behind me and just like ripped the hat off. And she sort of had this little grin, and she's like, whatever, Jamie, whatever. Just, But she was playing. Yeah. And, and I, I think she liked, I think Amber liked it more than she thought she would. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it looks good, man. Dude, every, almost every rider in the pit either knew about it or had heard about it or, you know, riders' well, we were wives. I couldn't believe how many people, like, knew about it that I don't, like, I wouldn't have thought knew about it. Barsha, Zacco, you know, AP, 
uh, all, all these factory riders, like during press day, they're like, oh, this is the last day. And then once yeah. I went in Saturday morning, they're like, holy shit. Or, or I would walk up and they wouldn't recognize me. Like Mike from Club MX, no idea who I was until I talked. Yeah. He was like, oh, my God. You know, I walked into the TV booth when Dan Hubbard was sound checking before Race Day Live with AC. And AC recognized me. But Dan gave me this look like, like I, I, gave, I said to Dan, like he's had, he had headphones on. He couldn't hear me, but I just came, kind of gave him the thumbs up. He gave me the little head nod, but he, I could tell he didn't know who the hell I was. 30 minutes later, he comes down into the pits and finds me. He's like, dude, I did not know that was you. Oh, my God. And uh, yeah. go ahead. Well, no, yeah, the, the, it's definitely very distinguishable when you had it. Like, it was yeah. definitely like, I was like, that's what I, I was wondering how many people were going to not recognize you. After A that. lot. I was talking to Sarah, Dino's wife, and she was next to RJ Hampshire's wife. And Sarah didn't recognize me at first. And then she did. She's like, oh, oh, my God, you cut it. And then uh, Ashley Hampshire, like, she just was like, oh, my God. Like, like she just <laughs> like, I didn't know that was you until you started talking. Oh, my God. Well, what did you do? You know? And so That's it was hilarious. like a topic of the pits. It was weird. Dan said he was going to talk about it on Race Day Live. I haven't watched back. I don't know if he did. But, uh, yeah, yeah I, bet you, I mean, it's a long show. I'm sure you threw it in there at some point. Yeah. So it was pretty interesting how many people knew about it. Kiefer and Steve really had the, like, it was a big, it was a big to do, man. So, and I'm sure it'll be still more of a topic this weekend in Dallas. Oh yeah. So sure. I have more things. Oh, I'm yawning guys. Sorry. Sorry about that. I have more things I want to talk about. Did I want to talk about the TV? I didn't get to watch. I wanted to ask you how AC did. I need to wrap this thing up. Let's save it. Let's try to get an early start next week. If you want, I can give you like 15 seconds. Yeah, give me 15 seconds, but i got to wrap this thing up, dude. I've got uh, so much to do still. AC killed it. Yeah. He killed it. He, he, was, he was punctual. His thoughts were good. The only thing that he did that he did that I think he could have improved on is he, he's a real, like, he's a talk. He's a, he, he talks like this. Oh, he's, he's moving. Yep, moving he's, his he's head. He's a mover. Yep. So... So he, he kind of moved a little bit. Well, he should be kind of standing still. But other than that, he was awesome. All right. Well, we'll get into a little bit more next week. Guys, don't forget, the, the if you want a race tech t-shirt, at com. Try to be, man, I'm not going to remember everybody, but try to be somebody that doesn't enter the contest all the time. I want to give somebody new or somebody that just hasn't really involved themselves with the contest a chance to win. I know it's just a t-shirt. We'll throw some stickers in there or whatever. I got a bunch of other stuff that I got to ship out. So all you guys waiting on the banner, the, the fender, the little AP sign toy. I, I haven't forgot about you. I'll get to it. I promise I'll get the stuff out. But anyway, I think other than that, man, that's a wrap on two twenty four. Thanks to J Mark, Gary Sutherland, Jamie Ellis. Of course, our sponsors are Cherubies USA, race tech, fly racing, X brand goggles, works connection, Torque One Racing, R Jerky, Berm Lords, Graphics, and Jersey ID, Shock Socks, Williams Moto Works, Extreme Colors, Blood Lubricants, Power Band Racing, True Fusion, everybody, we appreciate you. We are out.